This series deals with mature subject matter and contains offensive language and potentially triggering imagery. Any similarities between characters and real people is incidental and not intended. Listener discretion is advised. Hello and welcome to another episode in our tale of mystery, insanity, and terror. I am Adam the Keeper of Arcane Secrets, and this second series will continue to use the Call of Cthulhu 7th edition ruleset to explore the cults, monsters, and cosmic horror that are set in direct opposition to our intrepid investigators. These 11 episodes are presented as an anthology, where I sit down one-on-one with the players to see if they can begin to piece together clues about the forces of evil while burning through their luck wrestling with their sanity, and trying desperately to fight for their lives. The players are all struggling against extreme violence, encroaching madness, and sinister kidnappings, and if a character does not succeed, the player will not be invited back for the next series. While it is beneficial to listen to Series 1, titled The Deep Dark of Radiance, each of these 11 episodes are designed to stand alone, or as a piece of a greater puzzle. They all lead to the same place, though. Join me now as I take you on a journey down one of the many roads to Amelia. During the Great War, the powers in play began to develop greater reliance upon espionage and spycraft. And as the war came to an end, a small unit of Austrian spies fled from France over the Mediterranean Sea and across Northern Africa. A team of agents from the United States of America caught up with them in a cramped hotel in Giza, where a chase began with the murder, traveled frantically south along the Nile, and ended in a shootout among the sun-baked dunes of the Egyptian desert. Among the hail of bullets, an American grenade was thrown, triggering a sinkhole that swallowed the Austrian spies, and uncovered a pyramid buried beneath the sands. The remaining American agents reported their findings, but news of the pyramid was largely ignored as the Great War wrapped up a few short weeks later. But last month, news of the discovery of King Tutankhamun's tomb swept the Western world, and Egyptian artifacts and historical sites ignited people's imaginations. As intrepid travelers and inquisitive explorers flooded Cairo, whispers of a buried pyramid began to circulate. But one company was ahead of the swelling interest, and already knew the location of the buried pyramid. Exactly one month ago, on November 13, 1922, a woman, representing an international conglomerate called the McGregor Institute, approached the American Embassy in Cairo, and struck a deal with Major Linwood, who was stationed there. He would provide troops, resources, and transportation, while she would provide finances, experts, and scientific instrumentation for a remote station. 
this strange woman named Daisy Bentz planned to oversee the project from Giza, entrusting a team of hand-selected scientists to guide and monitor local laborers for hire. Major Linwood's skepticism turned to suspicion, however, when she immediately provided permits and documentation from the Egyptian government, granting her long-term license to a plot of land to build her makeshift outpost, as well as generous access to the surrounding area. As well as generous access to the surrounding area. She simply needed a mobile base of operations for barracks, a remote laboratory, a communications office, and a mess hall. When she sweetened the deal with the promise of 10% of the profit for Major Linwood personally, he swallowed his growing objections and threw in three jeeps and a helicopter from the embassy in Cairo. Still, he demanded that he sign off on her team of experts. So the backgrounds of the scientists were all quickly investigated, and a team of four experts have now been assembled. The scientists representing the interests of the McGregor Institute are two archaeologists, Dr. Timothy Houle and Dr. Oliver Michaels, one anthropologist, Dr. Wilbur Black, and one Egyptologist, Dr. Raymond Shane. Each of these experts have some military experience from the war, but Major Linwood is no fool. He knows that money often speaks louder than past allegiances, especially in peace times. And now is not a good time to trust a woman named Bentz, no matter how good her American accent may be. So the Major insisted on a knowledgeable military liaison on site and submitted a short list of candidates. When Ms. Bentz saw Patrick O'Hara's name, she singled him out immediately. Special Agent Patrick O'Hara was classified as a non-combatant during the war, though he often hovered just behind the front lines. His primary function was to acquire and extract historical artifacts and culturally significant pieces of artwork from war-torn locations. He would then steal them away to safety in the hands of the Allies. She was familiar with his signature due to the McGregor Institute having managed to procure many of his rescues over the last few years. His background in anthropology and scientific interests makes him an ideal liaison officer for the scientists, and his respect for unique and priceless antiquities and relics ensures that the sites will not be damaged by military blundering and boorish recklessness. But the deciding factor for Ms. Bentz is O'Hara's claustrophobia, which she correctly assumes will keep him from entering the pyramid. And so he was volunteered. You see, the McGregor Institute knows that this pyramid is not like the others scattered throughout the region. Over the last three weeks, as the camp has been established, it is becoming increasingly more likely that this pyramid is an ancient ziggurat that might predate the other pyramids by tens of thousands of years. And the strange green quartz and scraps of odd porous iron littered around it seem odd and unlike other resources native to the area. Adding to the mystery is yesterday's discovery of a strange iron obelisk with stone doors buried in a cavern to the south, and it has raised incredible interest. Not a single soul on the mobile base has any idea about the strange origins of these monoliths, and Special Agent O'Hara has noted the new dig site named the new find Site B 
and filled out all the necessary paperwork like a good company man. Meanwhile, the small encampment of excited scientists, homesick military personnel, and superstitious laborers is abuzz with curiosity and an undercurrent of trepidation. The strange, seemingly Neolithic markings among the hieroglyphs that adorn the recovered pottery are usually being catalogued in a laboratory at the outpost, but now they are momentarily forgotten, and the strange minerals temporarily laid aside. Site B is an amazing addition to this expedition, and imaginations are running wild about fame and fortune. But nothing can prepare these poor men for what lies beneath their feet. It is not riches or glory that stirs in the darkened spaces, but horror. No man can unearth truths without getting dirt on his hands. And some dirt is so dark that it stains even souls. These men dream of places in the history books, but all that awaits them are horrifying truths, meaningless deaths, and madness in the sand. But it is the morning of the 13th. It is just starting to get warm out. And you can hear that there's some people moving around outside the building, which is pretty standard. There's some latrines nearby. And you know that today is the halfway point towards your first major official report. What would you like to do? First things first, I would go through, I would probably do my morning prayers, a little bit of re open my Bible, do a little bit of Bible reading, morning devotional, and then I would head out to go have breakfast and coffee with all of the other people. This is kind of a moment before the day starts where we can all kind of connect less formally. I would basically be trying to get down, have breakfast with, you know, build rapport. This is not a how's business time. We, I, In fact, I forbade any sort of business talk okay. around the tables. The scientists sit off by themselves comparing notes. You can forbid it all you want. If this is their passion. They're yeah. going to talk about it. But the military personnel are still getting to know each other and mm -hmm. swapping stories of back home and and were you where were you stationed in the war? Yeah, that kind of thing. So everyone's kind of getting getting get, to know each other, getting to know each other. Yeah. Quite uh, a bit. That's probably one of the main things I want to be pushing is morale within, especially when you're this isolated and you only have these people around you. You want to make sure that you can trust them, rely on them. This dig is slated to last a minimum of eight months. Mm -hmm. So this could, in theory, be going for quite some time. And yeah. they are slowly getting more comfortable with the local workers that are mm -hmm. on hand uh, that have been hired by the McGregor Institute as opposed to the military personnel. Right. The military personnel has a respect for you and they're mm -hmm. following the chain of command, but you're not true military. Sure. You fought in the war. You were. And mm -hmm. what, what was your rank? Actually, I wasn't even. I was an attache. So I would still have just been agent at that point. I wasn't officially military. So because you are an agent, they don't quite know where you stand. And so it feels to some of them like they're being lorded over by a civilian. Mm -hmm. Whereas others say Major Linwood is the ranking officer right. here. So if you report to him and they report to you, that's fine. There's just an next step, step in the chain. Yes. Uh, so it's a little iffy with some of them, but, mm -hmm. but not all of them. And there is still an amount of respect. You just know that you're not one of the boys. Right. Yeah. And among the soldiers, would they have a ranking officer, at least some sort of officer with them? Or uh, yeah, all... there is there is sergeant. There is a sergeant. Yeah, and uh, he goes by Sarge. Sarge, sure. To the point where you have now forgotten his last name. Right. It's in the employee records, if but everyone up, goes by Sarge. He's just Sarge. Yeah. 
there are a couple of corporals around. So they're all enlisted men. There are two offices in the military building as well. Mm -hmm. One for the sergeant and one for the three corporals. So there are eight privates. They've got their their section is essentially their footlockers and the common room. Of course, yeah. Uh, but there's always one corporal and two privates, privates that are on shift at the lab at all times. Right. Just for guard duty. Mm-hmm. One inside and two outside. Right. Okay. However, it's relaxed. Yeah. There are chairs that they sit in. Mm-hmm. They're not standing at attention. Not unless the major's coming in. Yeah, so breakfast would be done, and then the first order of business would be to go through, make sure we have a plan for the day. So I'd be bringing the scientists at that point. What's the plan for the day? So plan for the day, Hool is at the ziggurat. That's right. And Michaels is at the monolith. The monolith. Yes. So I would be checking, and I would actually be saying that I would like uh, Black to uh, go with Michaels today to the ziggurat, or to the monolith, rather. That was already his plan. already his plan. He's he's thrilled about that. He's good to go. Um, Let's not be looking into breaking open that door quite yet. Let's just make sure we're uncovering before, uh, if there's anything around it before we really dig in. Uh, make sure you take a radio. We'll be doing regular radio checks, and I will probably be coming out to both sites later this morning, uh, just before lunch. Okay. I have to go into the lab to meet with Shane. I want to look over what came in yesterday and discuss what we're going to do with it. He says that his plan today is to go through and look at some of the more complete artifacts. Mm-hmm. And once he's done with that, he's going to try to move over to discover if there's anything that he can figure out about these iron scraps that are there. These are just chunks of metal. Mm-hmm. But they do have flat sides to them every once in a while. And he wonders, are they supposed to fit together? Or and These are the ones that we discovered yesterday, correct? These were out at the monolith, not at the ziggurat? Or were they at both sites? They've been at both sites. They've been at both sites. Yeah. So at this point, I imagine I would have... Once I realized that there's something strange about this quartz, I would have put a requisition into Major Linwood to see if we can get a geologist to come out to take a look at this. Or if we can be sending some of these samples out. Uh, Major Linwood has nothing to do with the scientists. So right. that would be a... Oh, okay. Oh, so then that would have been with... Um, a request Day- with to Ms. Daisy Benz. Yeah. And you know that she's coming on the weekend. Okay. She always comes on Sundays. Always comes on Sundays. Okay. And uh, and so there will be a requisition form that has to be filled out to hire on new personnel. Perfect. Doctor Shane and Doctor Hool are both pushing to get a geologist out here, mm-hmm. as well as another anthropologist, because there's just so much, so to, much go to go through. So much to go through. Yeah. Uh, Doctor Black is eager to find out what Doctor Shane's going to be working on, mm-hmm. and he's really leaning on Doctor Shane about comparing and contrasting the different full artifacts that they have. Is there any sort of consistency between them? And that's what today is going to break right. down to. Okay. Um, and at that point, I'll also, again, be pushing for, we need to be cataloging these things as well as we're going. I understand we want to look at them. They all roll their eyes and say, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> uh, what are you going to be doing today then? So this morning, I'm going to be going through uh, documentation. Again, so anything that they have cataloged, I'm going to be compiling into a list because my role, I want to be maintaining that so that I have a report of everything that goes back. And I'll be preparing, because I have this big report that's coming up, I'm making sure that all the details are going through. So I'm going over what's important, what needs to actually be in this report, what can be glossed over at this point. And are you recording this meeting? Always. You always have that little... Yeah, every morning, every morning meeting I'll have it recorded. 
and then other than that it'll just be thoughts throughout the day or if I have another important discussion. Basically once we've done that and everybody's gone their separate ways I'm going back to my office to start going through paperwork of what's been cataloged because I'm expecting you know a list from them and I'll be going through it making totals and summarizing everything in preparation. It's about 10 o'clock by yeah. the time that you're finished. Excellent and at that point yeah I'm going out first to the ziggurat and then to the monolith. Okay so I would assume that uh, that would be Hul would be down there. I'm going to go check in with him, see how his morning's going, and I assume he's down actually in the cavern towards the mouth of the ziggurats, or...? Uh, when you show up there, now, he took he took one of the two jeeps there, yes, and did. Dr. Michaels and Dr. Black took the other jeep, which means that you got a hike. So, it's not that it's necessarily a hard walk, but in the heat of the midday sun, even in December, that it'll wear you out relatively quickly. You'll need to take a canteen or two with you, and you know that you're going to be relying on a jeep to get, to get back. back. Yeah. So... I, my intention was to spend the afternoon without at the monolith with the rest of the team there and then ride back. It's going to take you about 25 minutes to walk there. Sure. Some of it's hard pack, but some of it's sand. There is absolutely zero danger of you losing your way here because they have erected flagpoles at each site right. to be able to be seen from a distance. Yeah. However, there's no flag being flown. They're just two poles. Two poles. Okay. As long as the wind isn't howling at this point, if it's a fairly calm day, I'll be recording kind of my mental notes from the morning. It'll be all really benign sort of things. So many of this item, so many of this item. Really, as far as anyone else is concerned, it'd be pretty dull to listen to. You get to the top of the ziggurat. It's a familiar sight to you. There is one worker that is up at the jeep who has a number of large water jugs on a table. There's a small tent that's set up nearby that gets erected and then taken down every single day okay. so that the winds in the, in the night won't take it away. Everything is staked down, mm -hmm. even the lab, but these winds out here can be pretty vicious. He is up there and he is manning the radio. When you get to the ziggurat, you see that they have laid down planks of wood, which was one of the hardest things to get out here in the early days. And uh, there have been planks of wood that make a ramp that go all the way down, as well as a series of posts about three feet high every yard or so all the way down with a rope uh, just for a handheld area. It gives you the impression of a dock more than anything else. Mm -hmm just the way that it's been constructed. And as you head down into the darkness, you can feel the temperature dropping radically. Right. You can see down there, there are a number of lanterns that are lit. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the major things that you have here are lanterns and oil. There are flashlights, but it's for yeah. the military use only. Okay. There is a single private that is down here and he's got all of his gear off and he's sweating through his undershirt yeah. as he is currently helping a dig they're trying to pull a giant boulder out mm -hmm. of the way because they have a flash of more of this green quartz the cavern itself is relatively small it's only about 150 feet from side to side in the largest mm -hmm. measurement um, and it's actually quite narrow. Is it like sides. a limestone sort of cavern, or is it? Yes. Yes, it is. And the edges of the ziggurat itself cannot be seen. Okay. So you're just down the one, the right. one side of it. There is an opening into the ziggurat, mm -hmm. but none of the workers want to go inside. Right. It's a superstitious thing. Mm -hmm. They do not want to. What they say is disturb the dead, mm -hmm. because the pyramids are tombs, and of that's course. what they associate the ziggurat with. 
the military personnel have gone in, a couple of the privates have gone in and yeah. taken a look around, and you know that there is a fork that goes right and left okay. about 25 feet in, mm-hmm. and there are a bunch of these strange carvings on the wall. There is no door into this. The scientists are all incredibly eager to get inside, but they're waiting on the go-ahead from both you and Miss Spence. Almost all of the items that you've discovered yep. so far have come from outside of the ziggurat or right. within the first 15 feet of, right. where there were a lot of these clay pots that were piled up and stacked around. Right. Most of them shattered? A lot of them, yeah. And any intact? Quite a few. And have uh, I was, we would have opened them to see what was inside, anything of interest inside? None of them have lids. Oh, none of them have lids. They're just open mouth pots. Yeah. And again, glancing in, would there be anything inside? Some sand. of them. Some of them are stained, but it's mostly just sand that is accumulated inside them. Although they did manage to find the skull of a small lizard inside yeah. one, which was the biggest discovery last Tuesday. <laughs> of course, yeah. Okay, uh, so checking in. Doctor Hool is a a short, balding, mm-hmm. fat man who uh, has his sleeves rolled up. He starts off every day with a suit jacket and a tie and wears it out here onto the dig site, but by the time that he gets out here, he's sweated through it. And uh, he is consistently thirsty, always exhausted Mm -hmm. and grimy, and and he's always got dirt under his fingernails and seems to be absolutely in heaven. Yes. He loves being out here and and digging through the dirt, and when he sees you, he adjusts his little spectacles on his face, Mm -hmm. and he, he... Smiles at you and, and he waves you over and he says, uh, O'Hara, o- over here. We, we found another large deposit of this, this green quartz. This one seems to be even more pure than the previous one. Uh, and I'm looking for your, uh, your signature. I would like to start hacking away at it and, and breaking it up. This is far too large for us to pull out with any sort of tools that we have. I would love to be doing that, Doctor. Uh, we, but we do need to get one more signature. It's not only mine. I, you're ready for my signature, but we need one more before we can get this going. And you know she won't be here till Sunday. Okay, well, if we cannot get here and we've already pulled out everything else, what else is there to do besides enter the ziggurat, break up this quartz to see if there's anything behind it, or head over to the monolith? And he points down and you see that there's a bit of a brickwork path mm-hmm. that heads from this hole, this opening in the side of the ziggurat, into the direction of the monolith. If we can spend today... I want you to just figure out what else is here. Let's do one more scan, and I promise you tomorrow we'll send you to the monolith. So we're going to close up this site then until Sunday? We'll probably leave a couple of the locals here with one of the privates. I'll check in once in a while. I'll ask you to check in maybe in the morning. We'll keep the site secure. At this point, there's not much more we can do, unfortunately. My hands are tied. And he nods at you and says, that's that's fair enough. And he says, uh, is there anything else that you want to do down here? Do you want to maybe peek in? Uh, well, first, I, because of this major deposit, I want to kind of rub my hand over it and just take a look. The green quartz is just a large crystal okay. that is sticking out of the ground. It's smooth on mm-hmm. some parts, but the edges feel very, very sharp to the touch. Like, it, it's very crisp edges. Mm-hmm. It's not going to cut. No. As you run your hands over it, it's smooth. It's cool to the touch. Mm-hmm. And as you touch it, the workers kind of step back a little bit. And he points at them and says, you see what I'm dealing with here? They won't so much as touch it. They'll pull on the ropes, they'll they'll use the pry bars, and they will hack at it with the pick if mm-hmm. we ask them to break it up, but they won't lay their skin upon it. I imagine this is a conversation we've already had, so what was their reasoning for not wanting to touch it? Just fear, or was it respect? A healthy amount of suspicious reverence. Mm-hmm. 
to something that they don't understand. Yeah. The workers that you have here are uneducated laborers. Right. Well, at this point, why don't we take a quick walk into the ziggurat? We'll just go our usual path, you know, no further than the junction. And just take a look, make sure everything's in order before I head off to the monolith. I am eager to do this because the beam from from your flashlights will go further than our lanterns will. So uh, just give me one moment here. And he turns to the private and and talks to him for a moment and tells him, you know, to wrap it up. We're not going to do anything more here. And so the private nods and grabs his clothes and he looks at you and says he's going to head upstairs. Yeah, keep a watch. That's fine. Uh, I'm going for water. Yeah, you, you look like you've earned it. No problem. We're not going anywhere. We're just going to go as far as we've ever gone. No further. We just want. I just want to take another look around, see if anything else shows itself. There are two workers that mm-hmm. are down here as well that are standing nearby. One of them is kind of leaning on a walking stick, mm-hmm. and a, another one is organizing a bunch of tools mm-hmm. that are on a small table that have been... These all get left out here every night. Yeah. And they're just simple shovels and pry bars and pickaxes and whatnot. Very simple excavation tools. A lot of brushes and fine work instruments as well. Mm -hmm. But he's sitting there and kind of lining them up for the hundredth time. Because he doesn't know what else to do. And doesn't want to get involved in some parts of it. Yeah. So uh, while Dr. Hul's kind of pulling himself together, I'm going to go over to these gentlemen in basic Arabic. Just, you know, respectful greetings, check in, how are you, sort of, you know, just small talk. Sure, can you roll a language other then? Yes. That'll be a 73, that's definitely a fail. You are able to do enough of a basic greeting, Mm -hmm. one of them says something to you that you don't understand, Yeah. the one that's playing with the tools just kind of stops and looks at you and Mm -hmm. nods and smiles, doesn't even bother to try to talk, um, and goes back to, to what he was doing. Do they seem to be offended by us going into the entrance of the cigarettes? They were all very afraid at first and mm-hmm. pretty skittish. At this point, they're mostly apprehensive, yeah. but they don't go inside. Mm-hmm. They don't touch what they don't want to touch. Sure. Their job is to help dig and to hold lanterns, and they will load up the Jeep, and the private will drive it back, and then one of them will go with them and unload the artifacts, right. and then they'll all come back, but they won't touch the quartz or the iron. Uh, they will touch the, the clay pots, but only the broken ones. They do seem to be very superstitious. Yeah. So yeah, once uh, Dr. Hool's ready, we'll head in. No further than we've been. I'm not pushing any boundaries yet. I don't want to invoke the wrath of the McGregor Institute by, you know, going against any sort of unspoken or any sort of... Uh, you have free reign to do what you want. This is technically your ziggurat at this point. Oh, okay. And they are renting the ability to get in here. Right. So they are paying for permission to trespass upon American military soil. And okay, so, so we don't have an agreement where, you know, we're waiting for their approvals or anything like that. The doctors are waiting for your approval. Just for my approval. Okay. In that case, we'll go a little bit further. So I want to at least get to the T-junction. With a torch, if anything illuminates or I see anything that I haven't And by torch, of course, you mean flashlight. flashlight. Now, these flashlights are the large briefcase level flashlight Mm -hmm. that you're able to use. The batteries here are not rechargeable and they're heavy. Right. I want to kind of set it up at the mouth of the ziggurat and just shine it down and then kind of walk along wherever it's lit and just looking at the walls. Okay, as uh, you guys do this, you know that 25 feet in, there's a T-junction that goes off yes. to the left and to the right. Dr. Hool walks in with a lantern as well, so mm-hmm. you uh, can see it with the light source from two different angles. Right. And there are a number of hieroglyphs mm-hmm. that are on both of the walls as well as the far wall that goes off into darkness as well. Uh, so this time I would have brought some paper. I want to do some etchings of these. Sure. Just to bring back... 
Uh, and it's, are, mostly what I'd be looking for is any that we don't necessarily have a sample of on a piece of pottery. Right? Well, uh, let's roll library use so, so that you can see whether or not you recognize any of these. Ooh, not good. 92. I will push that roll then. Sure. And that is a zero. That's a hundred. Sorry, actually. That is a hundred. That is a critical, critical failure. failure. Yeah. As you are sitting there looking around, you crane your neck up and see that there are hieroglyphics on the ceiling as well. Uh, and you end up tripping. Mm -hmm. And you feel a crunch underneath your foot. And there is a piece of pottery that was buried in a little pile of sand that you have just stepped on and destroyed. And Dr. Hool goes, Oh! oh. I, I would do the same thing. I am not happy about this. And he runs over and picks it up and it is just shattered. Uh, and he is going to pull out a small bag and mm -hmm. slowly put as many pieces as he can in it. He's going to look at you and go, so we're going to watch our step from now on. I just kind of put a hand to my face and said, I can't believe that. I'm so sorry. It's okay. We yeah. all make mistakes. And, and you are not used to being out here on site, so... And you can tell he's trying to calm himself, yeah. and he's, he's very upset by this. This has distracted you from being able to see. Of course, yeah. So, if you're going to take etchings, which etchings are you going to take? So, at this point, with not seeing anything new, I'm just going to take a couple of them. Of just ones Just on at walls. random? Just at random. Okay, uh, let's roll a luck to see which ones you're able to take. Uh, 61. Okay, what, and your luck? My luck is 70. 70, Okay. So you managed to get a couple uh, that seem to be a little bit more intricate than the mm -hmm. others, and you've got a decently good eye for this. Uh, you know what you have definitely seen and what you haven't seen is a question mark. So you don't know what you don't know at this right. point. Yeah, it's all it's all still fairly new, so everything is. Once you've taken a couple of etchings, Doctor Hool says, "Okay, so are we going further in then? I'd like to to use." the flashlight to... Absolutely. Let's get to the junction. We'll shine the flashlight down each way, and then maybe we'll take a couple steps in, take a little bit of a look. Without more support, I don't want to go too far. But let's at least take a look around, and then we'll come back. And at least we'll be able to... Maybe we'll be able to formulate a plan going forward. Okay. He nods and says, which, which way do you want to go first? Left. Okay. Uh, you shine the light left. Mm -hmm. Give me a spot hidden. Okay, so I need to get a 50. I rolled a 94, so that is definitely a failure. As you peer down here, you see that there are definitely some objects along the ground lining the, the hallway further down. These are going to be what look like more of these small clay pots and whatnot that go a little bit further in. But other than that, you can't see much of anything. It looks like this corridor goes right off into the darkness beyond the limit of your, of your flashlight. So I'd probably take, you know, four or five steps down in that, as part of that process to look for more, um, but I wouldn't be going too far down that hallway. Once I'm satisfied that I've kind of seen what I've seen and there's nothing necessarily of note, I'd say, well, let's try the right. Maybe there's something down that way. Okay. Uh, there are a couple of footsteps in each direction, just like footprints in the sand in each direction. So you know how far you've gone before mm -hmm. or how far other people have gone before. So, yeah. so you're able to stop relatively in the same place that they've yes. stopped. And as you get down and, and peer in uh, to the darkness a little bit further, you see that sure enough, it is just, just more clay more pots, clay. but they seem to be painted. There may be something different down here. Do I see a back wall? No. Or any turns? It's just a long corridor that I don't see an end to? That's right. Okay. I said, well, before, there might be some pots down there. We'll take a look. But let's just take a look to the right. There might be something more. There's some pots. They, everything looks the same. Maybe some paint on them. We can go down that way in a minute, but I'd like to look the other way first. 
to look down the right and give me another spot hidden. Another spot hidden. So for this again, I need a 50, less than a 50, and I have a seven. So that's that an extreme, is extreme success. success. As you shine the light down here, you hear Dr. Hool gasp and swear, cursing under his breath for a moment. And that's when you see two green eyes peering out of the darkness at you. I'd like you to roll sanity. All right. So my sanity is 65, and that's a nine. Which is an extreme, Which is extreme success. success again. You know immediately that this is a statue. And the statue seems to be of a... Uh, that is painted entirely in black. With a large, wide mouth. Seems to be screaming. The look on his face is one of rage. And in his eyes are two green gems. Are you seeing the statue, Hul? Uh Yes, that is what his cursing was about. Yeah. And, and he... Had nearly had a heart attack. It scared the crap out of him. He was you you alright there, Hole? You need a minute to catch your breath? Oh, no, I will. That's, I that's will. quite the face on that thing. Oh, my goodness. Yes, yes, let's go. We've never seen anything like this. We should, when we get back, we should get one of the cameras and bring it out. Oh, I 100% intend to. This is fascinating. Are, you think you have enough metal to uh, you want to go take a look with me? Absolutely. I want to see what's in those eyes. With some knowledge of the area, I'm going to be also... Sorry, I should be watching for traps, like any sort of tripwire or anything like that. Okay. I think that's kind of fair to be expected in a place where we're not familiar. Or, I mean, you're watching their step for anything unstable anyways, but you're also watching for anything that looks like maybe a trip or a... You know that the Egyptian pyramids have traps all the yes. way through them. So this thing is about 15 yards away, this statue is. Okay. Probably only get within 5, 10 yards of it. Probably 10 yards of it is how close I want to get. Close enough to be able to kind of look at distinguishing marks. Okay. I'm not going to come up and touch it quite yet. I just want to, you know, suss out what I'm looking at. You creep forward about five yards and you see that there are hieroglyphics that are along the walls as well. Again, nearly impossible to determine if you've seen these before mm -hmm. on some of the broken pots and whatnot. But there doesn't seem to be any items along the ground here. Yeah. It does seem to be clear. There's quite a bit of sand on the ground. And this, the feet of this statue actually seem to be buried in sand as well. So the sand mm. gets relatively deep, six or eight inches, it looks. And as you shine the flashlight, you can see that there is an opening. The corridor continues on behind this. Right. Okay. Well, at this point, I mean, I've seen what I want to see for now. We're going to need some people to dig this out. We're going to need to clear this out and get... I want to find out what this thing is before we mess with it. I don't know. What do you think? He says, well, our our job is to get these things and mess with them, so... Yeah, but I don't think the two of us are going to be able to pull this out. We're going to need the locals, and if they're not on board with coming in, we're going to need to find some other muscle. Uh, is there any chance that we can get some of the uh, some of the soldiers out here to help us drag this out? We could certainly try and see if we can get some out this afternoon. I think this is worth investigating. He nods. Do you want to take a look at it any closer? Do you want to maybe... Uh... Oh, absolutely. I want to know what it's made of. And it seems to be made of some sort of black material. There was no mention up until this point of there being any paint anywhere on, on these dig sites. However, now that you've seen it down the other side, mm -hmm. it makes sense that this could this be, be some amount paint of... paint or it might be something else. It, it could be something on this. Yeah. Uh, he does point out that he wants to be able to see what's in this thing's hands. It has one hand reached forward as if trying to grasp at something. Mm -hmm. uh, and he says, perhaps a weapon fits in that hand or an artifact of some sort. But the other hand seems to be a nearly closed fist. Well... I kind of want to shine the flashlight around, just make sure there's nothing behind there. No more eyes glinting at us or something like that. I say, well, why don't, why don't we take a look? Can you please roll a... We're going to call this a... We're going to call this a climb. A climb. Uh, so for that, I've got a 20 in climb. That's the base stat, so... Chances here are 13. That is a success. You can feel that the ground underneath your feet is shifting. 
Mm-hmm. It feels like more than just the sand. It feels more like than the, the sand. ground okay. itself is starting to creak and move as if it's almost made of, like a, of a wooden plank. Okay. And Dr. Hool keeps moving forward. Yeah, I'm going to put a hand out and stop him. Something moving under here. We should probably clear some of the sand out before we move too far. I don't know if we're going to... Let's just make sure the ground is solid beneath us. And he takes a step back and, and kind of stomps his foot for a minute. It's okay. And he bends down and starts to clear the sand out and discovers that there is a, sure enough, a wooden board that you are walking on here. The ground is turned from sandstone to wood. And he sits there and knocks on it for a second. And it's got a hollow kind of sound to it as well. And he says, I think the chamber underneath here is is empty. Chamber underneath? Well, you think we can pull up that board? Take a peek? We can certainly try. Why don't we give it a shot? I mean, we know my arm's bum, but between the two of us, maybe we can get it to budge? Uh, he, he nods at you. There's not a great place to find your fingers. This board yeah. has been fitted from wall to wall to fill this area. Uh, he says this would be a lot easier with a pry bar of some sort. Well, but let's give it a shot. Let's give it. We'll give it a quick shot. I mean, we can always go get the soldier, get some tools. Give me a uh, strength check. Now, normally this would be with the penalty die. Right. Uh, because of how difficult it is to grab. But you also have help. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be a wash. This would be, be a straight strength. I mean, my strength is 25, so we're trying to do that anyways. That's a 28. Just narrowly miss. You know what? I'm going to put three luck into that. Okay. So mark off three mark luck. Mark off three luck. That puts me down to 67. You're able to pry this up just a little bit to see... That there is a small, empty blackness underneath. And when Dr. Hool shines the lantern down, he says, there doesn't seem to be anything down here. He lets go of the plank for a moment. Can you give me an intelligence check? So intelligence is 70. Ooh, that's a 91. I'm going to push that. Oh, that's a 18. Hard success. I'm going to spend four luck to make that an extreme success, and that'll put me down to 63. You know from your reading and from your studies that there are a number of other traps that are very similar to this. This is just an open area underneath with a fulcrum in the middle. That statue sits on the other end of this plank, and if there's too much weight that's put upon it, that statue will slide forward and hit anybody that is on the plank. When you get off the plank, the statue returns back to where it was and so the idea that perhaps there was a blade of some sort in that outstretched hand suddenly makes a lot more sense we should probably uh step out for today we'll return with some more and we need to formulate a plan on how we're gonna get past this this is a great find though that's really is quite something and he he's very eager to continue moving through he says i'm going to request that i get a couple of soldiers to come with me this afternoon and perhaps we can find some way to wedge this plank upward and we can bring that statue back. I am definitely on board with that. Let's just make a couple notes here. We're gonna head back. I would still want to get out to the monolith before lunch, and yeah, let's formulate a plan to get some soldiers out here this afternoon, because I think this is a big find. He says, that sounds excellent. Uh, I am going to send the workers back by foot. We'll get our private friend to drive you and I to the monolith, and we'll drop you off. And then he and I will go back, and I'll try to muster a force. I'm going to request that you give me two able hands beside my driver and hopefully a radio, uh, some radios that we can use to communicate down here with each other and a flashlight. I don't see any problem with any of that. We will, of course, run it by Sarge, make sure he's got the manpower to lend to us today, but I don't see it being a problem. Okay, 
that's great. Thank you very much. We'll fill out the appropriate uh, acquisition forms. Of course. And then after lunch, when we meet up, I'll, yeah. I'll and come I'll back. definitely be interested in coming with you as well. So he nods and smiles and is really excited about all of this. And then he starts to lead the way back up. Yeah. And we're just going to make our way straight out. I don't want to make any more detours at this point. I want to get out, out to the monolith. You're able to get yourself and the private whose name is yep. Private Draven. He nods and he's happy enough to, to drive you guys there. Appreciate it. He pulls up to the next site and you see that there's been quite a, a small dig out. There are a number of ladders that go down. There are a couple of wooden ladders that are fairly long but a couple of rope ladders that people seem to prefer to use because they don't wobble mm-hmm. um, that have been tied off to the top of the monolith itself. The soldiers and the scientists seem to be using those ones. However, the workers will take the wooden ones that go down the, the sand. They don't want to touch the monolith at all. As you pull up, Dr. Hool says, okay, if you don't mind, we're going to turn around and, and head back. Yeah, of course. No problem. I'll catch a ride back with these gentlemen when we're done. Good luck. Uh, I will, of course, fill out the appropriate forms and whatnot, and I'll be in the lab if, if you yep. don't see me in I'll, the mess hall. I'll come find you before lunch. I should be back before we sit down to eat. At the monolith are Dr. Black and Dr. Michaels, as well as two privates and a single worker. This laborer uh, has some very broken English, and you recognize him as being one of the ones that you can speak with on, on a regular basis. Right. His name is Saeed. And Saeed waves and, and smiles mm-hmm. at you friendly enough. He is sitting in a similar tent to the one before, yeah. uh, sipping from a glass of water with his feet up, and he seems to be reading. Okay. Quick glance, something Arabic, I assume. Uh, it looks like it's actually an English book that he's got open English in his book. lap. So I walk over... Say good morning in Arabic. I figure I should at least know that at this point. Yeah. And that's safe to say. He closes the book and... And, and I glance at the cover of the book that he's reading. Uh, and it's a copy of the Bible and it is upside down. And he smiles and waves and says, good morning. Good morning. Good book. He nods and smiles and kind of gives a grin. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, that smile that you give to people when you don't really know yeah. them and you're yeah. just that, that kind of welcoming hi yes how are you yeah. sure i'm yeah. friendly smile is what he gives you yeah i'd be doing the same thing back it's just a general platitude and uh and he says you go down yes how many down and he holds up fingers he says three in that case yeah i don't want to get down to somebody i can speak with which way are you going i'm gonna take the rope ladder down the side of the down monolith. the side of the monolith as you get down the side the monolith feels cool to the touch even in the direct sunlight yeah. as you descend further down you notice that the monolith itself is, seems to be made out of the same iron that you guys have discovered large pieces of before and this it, porous iron. It, and it feels porous to the surface. Oh, yes, very much very, so. Okay. Almost like the texture of the inside of a pomegranate. Mm-hmm. Okay. But you cannot see the back of the holes. Oh, okay. Yep. So as you start to struggle down, you hear a voice call up to you that says, Oh, Mr. O'Hara, down here. We're glad you're here. This is... Dr. Michaels. Dr. Michaels. Dr. Michaels is a uh, average-sized man who's got a very large black beard. He's barrel-chested mm-hmm. uh, and seems to be the only one of the doctors that looks like he could hold himself in a fight. All of the rest of them seem to be frail or out of shape. They're not quite as as burly as, as this man is. He seems like he's in very good shape, better shape even than some of the soldiers. Good morning. How are you? Any Anything new? As you call back and forth, I mean, he's not that far away. There's only a couple of uh, 
of stories down right. to the ground at this point. And you're not even sure that you've gotten to the bottom of the monolith yet. There's right. just this opening in the side of it um, with the two slabs covering it. Yeah. And as you're yelling back and forth, there's no echo. Mm. And he says, well, the first thing we've discovered is... And he starts to clap his hands. And there's just nothing. No. There's no echo at all. And he says, it seems to suck up sound. It could be the porousness of the nature of it, perhaps. That was our initial idea as well, but we'd love to show you something else. I would love to see it. And as you get down to the bottom, he says, watch this. And he turns to the two soldiers there. There's one corporal and one private. Dr. Black is sitting there as well, kind of rubbing his temples. He says, all right, are we ready to go again? Dr. Black rolls his eyes and says, all right, let's again then. And they all just start to scream loudly and clap their hands and stomp their feet and make as much noise as possible. And Dr. Black points at the two large slabs. And as they start to make noise, one of the slabs starts to swing open very slowly. And they stop and it starts to slowly move back. That is fascinating. I have no idea what acoustics or technology that they've got doing this, but it seems like it's not so much how loud we are, but the duration of our loud yelling. And he starts to go off about how mm -hmm. they managed to get this door open. The other slab stays closed, but this one does open if they can make enough noise for long enough. And the moment they stop it at the same rate, slowly swings closed again. This is absolutely fantastic. We've never seen anything but, like this. So uh, we can only assume that this is some sort of religious site where there were a number of people that would chant or pray loudly outside to open up access. And Dr. Black says, we don't know that. This could simply be a political platform where people were speaking or there's a crowd perhaps. It all depends on what's behind there and what we find further down. For all we know, we're standing on a large balcony. Well, we do need to keep going. I'm, this is an amazing discovery. So let, let's try this one more time. And I click on my tape recorder. And everybody starts to make some more noise. And Dr. Black kind of rubs his temples. He's starting to get a headache, it's mm -hmm. clear, from yeah. the amount that they've been screaming and yelling down here. It starts to open up. And you can see Saeed kind of peeking over the top and looking at you. And then going back to... He just disappears again. Yeah. And it continues to open slowly. It takes about a full five seconds to slowly open up. and reveal a dark passageway behind it. As soon as the door is fully open and it stops moving, I'm gonna click the recorder. And basically the intention of that is I wanna be able to test it later back and I wanna see how long it actually takes to open and close. So when they stop shouting again, I'm just gonna let it close and I'm gonna be checking my stopwatch this time. That's really fascinating. Have we sent anybody in yet? And they go, no, we have, uh, we were about to do that when you pulled up and we were drawing straws to see who was going to go in because when, of course, we stop making mm -hmm. the noise, that door is going to close. That door is going to close, absolutely. Well, that's a good point. Would you like to draw one of the straws? You know what? Let's draw straws. What we're going to do is roll luck rolls. Mm -hmm. All right. So we are going to be comparing successes versus failures yep. over and over again. People with failures will stay in. Right. And we'll just do round after round until there's one person left. Let's say before we draw straws, I'm not going to make any man go in there against his will. If there's anyone who just is directly opposed, speak up now. And the corporal kind of looks back and forth and says, I am not crazy about going in there. 
what I'm going to do is I've got the loudest voice and I will stay out here because I can make the most noise to open it back up. We don't know if yelling from the inside is going to be able to open it. Yeah, no, that's totally fair. Um, so let's draw straws. Just to be clear, if you go in, I'm not sending you in totally empty-handed. I want you to bring the flashlight in with you so we can illuminate inside. In fact, before we even send anybody in, I want to open it, put the flashlight there, see if we can look in, pull it out, let the door close, and then we'll make a plan. Sure. Let's do that one more time. Everybody starts yelling and screaming and it opens up again. Give me a spot hidden with the flashlight. Spot hidden. That would be a 17. For spot hidden, I need a 50, so that is a hard success. I'm not going to put any luck into that. It's a little bit too much to... You peer in and see that the passageway is really shallow. It only goes in about six feet, and then a pit opens up inside. But on the the pit itself is relatively narrow, and the opening itself seems to have uh, footholds and handholds going down with sort of a makeshift ladder constructed right into the edge, uh, the far edge of this. So you'd be able to step across onto these little footholds and then climb down into the darkness. There are no markings anywhere inside, and everything in here seems to be made of this porous iron. Whoever we send in there, I'm not expecting you to go down that pit. I'm not expecting you to go anywhere. Really, all we want to do is we want to make sure that if someone goes inside, do we have any animals around, do we? No. Worth a shot. <laughs> all right, let's roll for let's it. Let's roll for it. For me, the red is the private. Mm-hmm. The speckled green will be Dr. Black. Yep. And the simply gray ones will be Dr. Michaels. Perfect. I got an 88. Is that a failure? That is a failure. Okay. Dr. Black, he's not going in? He's not going in. A 39 is a success for me. A 45 and a 34. The 45 is the private. So the private's going in. All right. Private's going in. You guys draw straws and the private pulls the short straw. Private, again, I need to be sure that you're comfortable doing this. I mean, I'm as comfortable as you're going to be. I'm not going to make you do this against your will. If you tell me now you refuse to go in. He rolls his eyes and says, it's a door. I've been in a closet before. It's not an issue. And he takes a deep breath and picks up the flashlight. I said, all right, here we go. Everybody starts yelling yelling and making noise. And even he's doing it as well. and, And the door starts to open. And he steps through. Takes flashlight and starts to peer down. And we're going to keep yelling at least for a moment to see if the door stays open. It does. Yeah. And he, he looks back and, and flashes you a thumbs up. He starts looking down and he shrugs when he looks down as if he's telling you that he can't see he can't the bottom. See. Right. Okay. And I'm going to kind of signal for everybody to keep going and I'm just going to shout over them. Private, we're going to stop yelling in just a second. We're going to let that door close. Once that door closes, I want you to yell for as loud as you can for five seconds. If we don't see it opening, we're going to start yelling. So he stops yelling and And he says, okay. And then I cut it. And he turns to you and as it closes, he says, this is the most bizarre thing. I can't even see any hinges or any sort of pulley mechanism that, and the door closes. And it's clear now that the porous nature has sucked up his voice and is completely silent from the other side. I had a feeling that was gonna be the case. That's why I wanted him to yell that. So now I'm gonna start my timer. I'm gonna wait five seconds. Just door doesn't open? No, it doesn't. Okay. Now I signal everyone and we start yelling again. They all start yelling and the door slowly starts to open up again. 
And as the door starts to creep open, you can see immediately that the private is not there. Is the flashlight there? No. Okay. Um, the corporal stops yelling and runs forward. I'm going to signal for everybody else to continue yelling. He runs in and he peers down the mm-hmm. hole and turns back and shakes his head. And I'm going to signal for him to come out. And he runs back out. Corporal, I'm going to need you to stay here. Uh, Willie, I'm going to have you come back with me. We need to report this right away. This is... We can't have soldiers and, lost. And the corporal says, are we not going to go down and get him? What if he fell? Are we going to get out? We don't know if we can get out. Okay. Get, I don't want to lose more men. Get Saeed down here. We'll get. We'll send two of us in, and that three of you should be able to open and close this. We did it with three before. Well, let's just keep it open. Okay, yeah, let's get Saeed down here. Corporal, I'm going to ask you to go in then and take... Uh, anyone volunteering to go in with you? We're going to keep these doors open. We're not going to close them behind you like we did last time. You know what? I'll go in with you. Okay. Let's go in. We're going to take a look. The flashlight's not there, right? So I'm going to... We are we need a torch. Let's at least get some sort of light source in there. The, there's another flashlight as well as a lantern. Oh, there's another flashlight? All right, let's take another flashlight with us. We need to take a look. And I'm going to need you guys to yell with all your might. And under no circumstances. If that door starts closing, Corporal, we run. They call up for Saeed and he yeah. peeks his head over the top. And they wave him down, which is unusual. There's supposed to be someone up at the tent at mm-hmm. all times. Yeah. But he does start to... This is a special circumstance, yeah. Yeah. And uh, after explaining for a moment that we just need everyone to yell, Mm -hmm. um, Dr. Black says all this and Saeed nods, a little confused. He's been listening to them yelling all day. Mm -hmm. Um, But he starts to yell, and when he sees the door starts to creep open, he stops Mm. and steps back from it, and his eyes go wide. And I'm going to ask Michaels, you need to explain to them that this is, we lost a soldier in there. We just need to look. Just yell. It's safe out here. We aren't going to make him go in, but we need him to, we need his help. The two of them go back and forth with a brief conversation. And Dr. Michael says, he wants to know how we know it's safe with the door open. Tell him we're not going to keep it open long. We just need long enough to take a look and find our private. He nods and and he steps back Mm -hmm. as far away as he can. His back foot against the base of one of these wooden ladders. And nods and he, and he motions that he will do this, but he also says something to Dr. Michaels and Dr. Michaels translates and says, he says that the first sign of something strange happening, he's out of here. I understand. We, we're, just, we're not going to do this for long. We just need to take a look. Dr. Black and Dr. Michaels both get close and drink from their canteens mm-hmm. for a moment. And they nod and say, okay, when you're ready. I look at the corporal, you ready? And he says, I am. All right. And he grabs the lantern. Mm-hmm. And I assume he's got a rifle with him. Uh, no, he doesn't. He, have a, he has a service Just pistol. Just a service over. pistol? Okay. As long as he's got it on his person. We're going in and out quick. We're going to take a quick look for him. We we can't risk going too far into this thing. We just don't know what it is. I don't want to lose too many men. Everybody yell? And everybody starts everybody yelling. Start yelling. The two of you go in, and I would like you to roll a sanity check because you have claustrophobia. I do have claustrophobia. Uh, so my sanity is 65, and I rolled a 53, which is a success. So you are able to hold on. It makes you uncomfortable being yeah, in here. Yeah, I'm not happy. In especially because all the sound sounds very dead. Mm-hmm. It sounds like a smaller place than it is. Right. And they continue to yell, and the corporal steps forward, and he sh- he's going to motion at you to shine the flashlight down. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, we're shining it in kind of everywhere, all over and then down, if we don't see anything. There's nothing on any of the walls. It seems to be blank. There's nothing carved into it. And when you go to shine it down, you see that there are just these hand footholds that go all the way down. Mm -hmm. And 
they seem to go down about a hundred feet before they disappear into the darkness. Okay. I look at him and say, what do you want to do? We got to make the decision quick. And he says, if he could be at the bottom there with the broken flashlight and a broken leg. And he calls out, but he can't hear anything with them chanting. You'll need to roll a listen check if you want to try to hear anything. I, I do want to do that. So my listen... This is going to be with a penalty die. So my listen is a 60. The highest... Oh, the two... Extreme two extreme successes. successes, yep. You rolled double zeros Double zeros and a two, yeah. Uh, you hear thumping from somewhere further down below. I look at him, I say, there is there is something down there. It's a thumping. It yeah. is so distant and far away down there that you can barely hear it. Right. Well, Corporal, I don't feel comfortable making a risk of sending somebody down there for... We don't know how deep this thing goes. Let's duck outside. Let's have that discussion. And he looks at you and he says, just sh- you shine the flashlight down and I will climb down and get him. You climb down as far, as soon as you lose eye contact with me, you need to come back up. I'm not letting you go any further than that. Do you understand? Is that fair? As long as I can see you. Yes. As long as you can see me, that's fine. I he said, but, but first let's step out and give the guys a chance to catch their breath. Again, we're going to go in. We're going to make a plan. We've got our plan. He's going to go down, take a look, and then we're coming right back out. Keep yelling. Don't let those doors close. Okay. All right. Everybody's got the fortitude. You figure you're good for one more good yell? Yes. All right. Here we go. Ready? Three, two, one, go. And they start yelling again. And you guys step in, and the corporal just runs, Mm -hmm. knowing the time is of the essence, and leaps across and slips and manages to catch himself by one hand. These are relatively well-made hand and footholds. Mm-hmm. Um, they seem to have a little bit of a lip, so you're able to grab right into it. Right. So uh, he grabs on with one hand and swings for a moment and looks back at you with these large eyes that mm-hmm. say, holy <laughs> shit. And he takes a deep breath and starts to climb down as quickly as he can. He looks up at you and then continues to go down further beyond where the flashlight is. And you know that he can see you even though you can't see him. I'm going to give him about 30 seconds, and I'm going to shout down and just see. I've lost you. You need to come back. Uh, listen, I guess, to see if he shouts back. Yep. This will be with a penalty die. Penalty die. Uh, so that higher is the 82. Again, for listen, I need a 60, so that would be a failure. You can't hear over the fact that they're still chanting. Right. So if they stop chanting, you may be able to hear a response. Okay. You'd get to roll without the penalty die. So I'm going to yell out and say, I need you to stop, but before that door fully closes, I need you to start again. Is that clear? They, they nod, yeah. Yeah. All right. Stop. And they stop. That is a 94. I'm going to push that roll. Ooh, a 95. As you are sitting there trying to listen, it sounds like maybe, maybe you hear, it's hard to tell. There's, there could be something. Mm-hmm. You can't even hear the thumping, but you're expecting to. Yeah. It could be the, the porous nature of this. But the door is rumbling closed, and it is stopping you from, from being able to hear. And you know that if that door closes, you will get silence and actually get a good opportunity. Mm-hmm. As the door starts to swing shut, and you are listening, you become aware of your own heartbeat. I'd like you to roll a sanity check. Insanity is 65. That's a 28. Good. Um... I think I'm going to tell them, I'm going to shout out, I'm going to say, let the door close, but as soon as that door closes, after three seconds, start yelling again. And I'm going to do a, once the door closes, I'm going to listen. Roll a listen check. Just a straight listen check. Straight listen. 
That is a two. That is an extreme success. As you're sitting there listening, you can hear the corporal's voice, and he's muttering something, but you cannot quite hear what he's saying. He is so far away, you can't hear. What you do hear is something slithering in the darkness. Sanity check. 48 is a success. So you're able to hold on. You're still holding this flashlight. So I'm going to shine it wherever I think I hear this. It's a slithering, slithering noise. It sounds yeah. a little bit wet, and it sounds like it's coming from just over your right shoulder. And as you peer over your shoulder, there's nothing there. And I'm going to wait for that door to open, because I told them five seconds, so I'm going to wait. You told them three. Or three seconds, sorry. And I'm going to give them ten. So after ten seconds of that door not opening... Yeah. And there's no sound at all. What would you like to do? I would like to yell and scream because I'm claustrophobic. So at this point, sanity or not, I think I'm going to be freaking out. So give me another sanity check, this time with a penalty die because you're trapped in here. This is way longer than you wanted to be in here. Oh, that is, that was a one or a 91? That's a 91. So (laughs) that's unfortunate. I would like you to roll 1d6, please. 1d6. Five. And you will lose five sanity points as panic mm-hmm. begins to set in while you are in here. And as you're yelling and screaming, you hear banging on the other side of the door. Banging on the other side, of the, on the outside of the door. But it's not opening. I'm going to try and bang on the inside of the door. Back. And I'm yelling at the top of my lungs. And after a couple of moments, yeah. that door starts to open up again. And as it, soon as that door even is open sw- enough for my life to get swing through. in, yep, and you... As you I dash out. I'm not even going to look to see what's out there. I'm dashing out. They immediately stop chanting and they look at you and say, My God, we have been... We we tried. We tried. We did everything that you said and it just was not opening. What what opened it? We don't know. We just kept making noise and making noise. And they How point, long was I in there? Oh, uh, less than a minute. You do see Saeed halfway up the ladder mm-hmm. stop. And Dr. Black is sweating. Willie is just like yeah. freaking out. He goes... Where where are they? Where is he? They went down. The door is now closed again behind you. You saw the opening. They went down and they just kept going down and down and down. I don't know. We need to find some way to, to prop this door open. And I don't know if we have what we need here now. We need support. Can we? Uh, let's get somebody on the radio. We need support out here right now. Um, we should have done this before. I don't know what I was thinking. And Dr. Michaels starts clamoring up the ladder behind Saeed. Mm-hmm. The two of them running up as quickly as possible. And and Willie looks at you and says, We have two men down there. I know, I know he has a flashlight and a lantern, but that's one-sixth of our flashlights are down there. The corporal, I asked him to go down and come back to me, and he did not come back. There's something in there that's strange. This is not... He should not have kept going. I don't know what's happening in there. We need support. We need more voices to yell because we need to keep that door open. And he says, okay, I'm going to stay here and listen. We could feel you banging on the door, but we couldn't hear you. I'm going to stay here in case they Mm -hmm. come back. Take the Jeep, go back and get whoever you can. And then he stops and he realizes that you're the one in charge here. And he's used to barking orders, but he he stops and kind of gives you an an apologetic little smile and says, No need to apologize. This is stressful. It was my plan anyways. I'm going to go. You stay here. I'm going to leave Saeed with you up top. Actually, I'm going to leave both of you here. I'm just going to go back by myself. I need as many people here as I can. I can get the drive back myself. That's fine. And he says, I'm just going to sit here with my hand against the door. That's all I can ask you to do. Shout if you want to. It doesn't seem to help, but we can try. I will be back as soon as I can with as many men as I can. And I get in that Jeep and I go. Are you speeding your way back? Yes. Give me a drive auto. Drive auto is not great. 40%. 
And that is a 46. I am going to spend six luck, bringing me down to 57 to have a success. You manage to speed, and there are a couple of sand drifts that have kind of come across the hard pack. That's standard. Mm-hmm. And instead of you weaving around them, you blow right through them without fishtailing. And you manage to get right into the base quickly. They can see you speeding up, kicking up quite a bit of dust, moving faster than is normally necessary. And so a couple of the soldiers, the guards at the lab, walk up. Which building are you going to? I am first going to go to... I'm going to find Sarge. That's who I'm looking for. He'll be probably in the military. In the, yeah, in the barracks. Uh, yeah. He is there. He's sitting there uh, going over a duty roster. And I make sure the clo- door is closed behind me as I go in. I said, sorry, I need your full attention. Now, what do you need? We have a corporal and a private missing. What do you mean missing? We were out at the monolith and the door opened. The private volunteered to go in just to take a look. And the door closed behind him. By the time we could get it open, he disappeared. The corporal insisted on going after him. I agreed. I went in with the corporal. We took a look. We could not find him. The corporal wanted to take a little further look, and he disappeared. I could not find him. We cannot get them back. We've been trying everything. We need men. And he nods and says, I will take both jeeps out immediately. Go get the first aid kit. I'm going to muster enough men. We'll leave four people here. Yeah, we'll leave four is good. And he stops and says, actually, I want you to stay. You want me to stay? I want you to stay. If there's any report that needs to be filled out, you should start working on that right now. I will take everybody else. One of the two of us should stay behind and stay in contact with Cairo and send in an immediate report. Understood. Whatever you do, do not let that door close behind anyone under any circumstances. The doctors there know how to open and close that door, but as soon as that door closes, there's no guarantee that anybody comes back. And he nods and says, all right, fair enough. And I don't want anybody staying out there. Obviously keep a patrol out there, but I want everybody to come back by dinner time. I need a report over the radio as well every hour or every half hour. Can we do that? Yes, absolutely. He goes and he gets a number of people. He loads up two Jeeps. Mm -hmm. He takes one of the other corporals and Mm -hmm. three of the privates. He also takes about a half dozen workers as well in the two Jeeps. And they all head out. But he stops and grabs a number of flares out of lockup and arms uh, his soldiers with rifles as well. And he looks at you and says, I'm taking three of the flashlights. Absolutely. Take whatever you need. I can't have men lost on my watch. says, I will try to keep it all in order so that we can write up the appropriate requisition forms when when I get back. But he's... There's no time. He's just kind of babbling and he's grabbing things and off he goes, leaving you alone at the base with one corporal, three privates, and of course, your helicopter pilot. Yes. Dr. Houle and Dr. Shane and a number of some dozen and a half workers as well. Sure. So first thing I'm going to be doing is going over to talk to uh, Shane uh, Hale. And Dr. Hool looks at you and says, "What? I'm sorry, what, what, what's going on? I don't think you'd believe me if I told you. And Dr. Shane walks over and he says, well, do you want to go first or, or should I? I kind of look at him sideways and say, oh, I've made some progress with, with some of this here. I'm going to take a moment to collect myself. You go first. Okay, so I've been dealing with a lot of the pottery, and I found that there's a lot of the same hieroglyphics in the area here. And here, and he starts pointing at a map of where the dig site was, and he says, we've got a lot of similarities. This one matches this this inscription on the inside of the wall over here. And he starts kind of babbling. He still doesn't know exactly what they mean. 
This hieroglyphic is a derivative of uh, we think this word, and it's starting to go into some of the translations of it. And he stops and says, I also have discovered that I, I think that these have all been carved by the same tools, just based on the width of some of the etchings as well. So it's almost as if one set of tools have been passed around among all of the different clay pots, and I would love to be able to investigate exactly what's on the walls of the ziggurat as well to see if that that matches that was my original plan but we're gonna have to put that on hold a little bit longer we've lost a private and a corporal to the monolith what do you mean lost when they get the story from you and they find out what you're gonna do they turn you and say so do you have to be in your office at the radio then or are you staying here yes i need to be there i'll go back to my office with the radio and at the same time i'm also going to start forming a telegram the telegram is the only form of communication to uh, Major Linwood, correct? Aside from, like, sending a messenger. Or... That's right. So I will say, trouble at Site B, Corporal and Private, temporarily MIA, will provide update as soon as possible. Please advise. There is a slight pause, and then you receive a message back that says, Acknowledged, keep apprised. I assume it's been at least half an hour. The first message comes back that tells you there's nothing to report. The second one comes back that says they've sent a team in. Door left open. They have a number of people outside. People to continue yelling to keep it continuous. Yeah. Have they gone down the hole or just into the... You ask and it sounds like they've sent a couple of privates with Sarge down into the hole. Okay. I said I need an update... As soon as they come up. If I don't hear anything in half an hour, I want... I will be out there myself. There's another update that says they're still down there. There's someone that is at the mouth of the hole. Mm -hmm. That is down there with the radio. That is relaying and says he, he can hear them. They've reached the bottom. There's no sign of the missing men. Another half hour later, another report comes in. that says they've explored further in. Okay, uh, tell them at this point, if they haven't found anybody, they need to be... Tell them to come back. We need another plan. We don't know if we're going to find these. I can't... We can't lose anyone else. They're going to ask you to repeat. They're, they're looking for confirmation. Confirmed, yes. Please call everyone out of that hole. We need to regroup. We can't lose any more men. Understood? Understood. All right, update when they've reached the top. Another half hour goes by and there's no message that comes in. I message out... And there's no response. No response at all. No. So they took both jeeps, though, didn't they? They did. Um, again, I would have called out, is anybody there? Come back. There's no response. No response. So I'm going to take a couple of workers and have them come walk out with me. Because uh, I've got uh, Shane there. Um, I'm going to say to Shane, I need to go out and investigate. I'm not getting anything back on the radio. Uh, can you ask a couple of these workers to just accompany me out? And he looks like oddly distracted. And he goes, "Uh huh, yeah, yeah." I'll, I'll, I'll. Shane. Yeah. What? What are you? Uh, what's going I'm just, on? just research, just thinking. I just want to kind of push. I don't want to push too hard, but I want to see if, if I think I can push to get some information out of him. So my psychology is forty. That's a fifty-one. Um, I don't know that I want to put luck into that one. He just seems distracted. distracted. It, it very likely could, be could just be him excited about some of the discoveries mm -hmm. that he'd made earlier in the day. Yeah. Um, you know it's the afternoon and he's working on the uh, iron scraps right now. Right. And trying to piece together if they form anything or, or make any sort of structure because they do have solid lines on them right. in some places. 
So he seems to be trying to piece those together, but he, he nods and says, do we, uh-huh. do we have the portable radio from the Ziggurat site? You have it. Okay. Uh, so I would want to leave the portable radio with them. I said, I'm going to go to this monolith site. I'll radio when I arrive. Are you taking anything specific with you? Um, just a couple of the workers. I'm going to leave. Actually, I'll probably take one of the privates with me. Okay. That'll leave a corporal and two privates. Yep. I'll, of course, arm the private with yep. a rifle. I'm not going to take one myself. Okay, the base itself seems to be relatively empty. As you head out, you've left behind Dr. Shane and Dr. Hool, as well yes. as about a dozen or so workers, workers that are back there. Um, and, of course, a corporal, two privates, Captain Davies. Yes. And there are no vehicles. There's a helicopter. And you start to head out. At a hurry pace. And we're not, we're not running, but we're marching at a swift pace. As you start to get closer, you see that there's a cloud that is being kicked up. Okay, um, assuming it's a jeep, I'm going to be waving at it, trying to get its attention as it gets closer. And a jeep pulls up, and there are six workers piled into it with a private lying on his back in the very back of it, across the back of it, and they're holding onto him. And it, it screeches up to you. Uh, is Saeed with him? Saeed is not. Is he conscious? Is he bleeding? Uh, is he... He is laying on his back and he seems to be awake his eyes are open and he's breathing shallowly and he's staring directly up at the sky looking almost through like his eyes don't seem to be focused on anything and he just kind of looks up and he's breathing very shallowly I recognize the private I'll try and call out his name Uh, so call him by name just see if I can get anything out of him at all. No. The, there's no response. The medic would have been at the site. The two workers yeah. um, that have marched out with you start talking with the men in the Jeep. One of them is driving, and you're not sure he's ever driven a Jeep mm-hmm. before. And they're all talking back and forth in a language that you don't understand yeah. very, very quickly. It's uh, The Arabic is flying back and forth, mm-hmm. and you're not really able to keep up. You want to roll a language like, other? Uh, that is a 68. That won't do it. My Arabic is 17. It's too fast for you to really understand, but the Two workers that have walked out with you kind of put their hands up and start to back away, back towards the camp. This isn't good at all. I'm going to kind of signal for them to get out of the jeep. They can walk if they want to, um, but I'm going to get in the jeep. I'm going to signal. I would, I, I would like you to roll a fast talk. Fast talk, yeah. With uh, two penalty dice. Two penalty dice. Well, fast talk's a five, so <laughs> is 71's not going to do it. As you guys are sitting there kind of arguing back and forth, the one behind the wheel just starts to drive away. I'm going to just curse under my breath and I'm going to point to the private that's with me and say, go back. Make sure that private's okay. I need you to check on him. I'm going to go by myself. And he looks at you and says, are, are you absolutely certain, sir? 100%. You get back to base. I need people there. The two workers that have come up with you are already on their way back. They weren't yeah. waiting for instruction. They're, they're heading yeah. back. And you can tell that this is definitely a superstitious reaction mm-hmm. to what's happening. There was fear on the faces of those in the yeah. Jeep. And so he turns around and he goes to offer you his rifle and his canteen. So I'll take the canteen, you keep the rifle. There's rifles there if we need them. I don't think we will. This is something else. Do you want me to come back with the Jeep and anyone else once we get back? If you don't hear from me within the hour over the radio, yes. And so he starts to run back, jogging, the military jog, back towards base, passing the two that are walking quickly. And you continue further on. You have to walk for about 45 minutes in the heat. I'd like a constitution check, please. Constitution is 55. That's a 21, so that's a success. You're able to ration the water nicely and turn your collar up to keep the heat off the back of your neck and get to the site itself. And there doesn't seem to be anybody that is in the tent. Sun setting at this point? 
No, it's it's okay, only so about four o'clock. Only four o'clock. Okay. Nobody at the tent. I kind of expect that everybody's gonna be at the base, so I want to peer over the edge and see what I can see below. And what you see below. I guess, do I hear any chants? Yelling would be the other thing. Absolutely not. No yelling. Okay. So. What you see below are ten people on their knees with their foreheads pressed against the ground, facing the monolith. I'm gonna shout down. What's happening down there? Your voice doesn't echo, but none of them move. Again, I shout, is there anything? What's going on down there? And there's no response. I, so I want to see if there's like a bigger, you know, four or five pound rock. I just want to kind of throw it down and see if I can get anybody's attention. I'm not trying to hit anybody, but... Sure, give me a throw. Yeah. Using my right arm, obviously. I'm both in left arm. I just want to make sure you're not going to critically fail Absolutely. this and hit someone. That's fair. So 96 or above will hit someone. Right. Uh, so yes, my throw is 20% the base. And that is a 28. I'm, so yeah. the so the failure is just it lands kind of far away from them. Right. Not enough that you would think that it would grab anybody's attention if they weren't already looking at you. So, mm-hmm. so with their faces down and on their knees, with their palms flat on the ground, all of them facing the monolith themselves, all scattered out. They seem to be in, in general places. These these are workers, or is it just soldiers, or is it are they recognizable by what they're wearing? Uh, give me a spot hidden as you look down into the darkness from up here. So fifty. Ooh, that's an 87. I'm going to push that. This cavern is now in shadow as the sun has moved. <laughs> 83 on the other push. So I push it again. And you can see a couple of, yeah, of no. soldier uniforms, but you can't make out anyone. Can't in who it is, but yeah. it seems to be soldiers. Yeah. I'm going to work my way down that uh, the ladder along the monolith. When you get down to the bottom, you can see that everyone here except for Saeed and Dr. Michaels, seems to be a soldier. Okay. But they're all face down. They're all face down and facing with their palms, palms flat, flat on the ground, and they all seem to be facing towards the monolith itself. Right. Uh, so I'm going to walk over to Dr. Michaels and just try and place a hand on his shoulder and see if I can rouse him awake from whatever this is. Actually, before I touch him, I want to look into his face. Like, I kind of want to bend down and see if I can see... He's face fully down, right? Do you want to give me a first aid check to, to see what he's doing? Sure. But what are you trying to do? Psychology? A first aid? Uh... I'm Maybe a first aid? I'm just trying to figure out, like, is he even, like, on this plane of existence mentally, right? Like, is he... Okay, so let's let's do a psychology check. Psychology? Yeah. So that's a 40. And uh, 19. That'll be a success. So as you look down at him, you see that his eyes are open and they're staring directly at the ground. You can tell that this is the same look in his face as the private had that was in the back of the jeep as well. Except he's facing he's... down. His lips are moving, but you can't hear anything. Mm. Give him a shake at that point, just to see if I can rouse him out of whatever this is. And his head slowly looks up at you, and I would like you to roll a sanity check. Uh, so 60 is what I need, and that's a 1. It is a critical, a critical success. success. Uh, you can see that there is abject craziness in his eyes. And he starts to slowly scream so quietly in the back of his throat. It's almost a whimper as he looks at you and there are tears that start to roll down his face. And he whispers a word that you cannot quite make out unless you roll a listen check. So for listen, I need a 60. That's a 34, so that's a success. You hear him utter a name. Amelia. I say, who is Amelia? And he just starts to mouth words again Mm -hmm. and slowly go to put his face back down against the ground. What would you like to do? I'm going to see if I can find the radio anywhere. Uh, Sorry, is the door open? I shouldn't. You turn to look and the door is open, even though no one is making any noise. 
Uh, which door is open? The other door. The other door. Okay. Um, do I see the radio anywhere? There is a radio that's smashed on the ground. It's at the bottom of one of the ladders. Uh, so I'm going to look at... I'm just going to try my best on a long shot, push the button, see if I can get any, Nothing. Nothing. Um, I'm going to walk over... Do I see a flashlights? There are two flashlights over by the door. Mm-hmm. There is a flare inside the door that has been lit and is on the ground sputtering. And you can see that a rope has been tied to the door itself and goes down into the pit. Uh, do I see Sarge? Sarge is there. Sarge is there. He's one of the ones face down. Yeah. Uh, so quick head count. How many am I counting there? You have... So I want to see who's missing. The, I'm trying to do a head the count. The only person that is missing is Willie. Is Willie. He's missing. Okay. Um, the original uh, private and corporal that went Are down, both there. They're both there. Okay. So one more thing I want to do is before I make any more decisions, I want to try and see if I can rouse Sarge this time and see if I can... Maybe he's made of a little more metal. Maybe I can do something. Actually, what I want to do is I want to take the flashlight and shine it into his eyes. He doesn't even blink. His eyes don't dilate. Nothing at all. He doesn't no. even recognize it. No. Okay. I'm going to shake him again now as well to see if I can rouse him. There's there's nothing. There's nothing. No response. So at this point, there's still one Jeep at the top. That's right. So I'm going to get in, climb up that ladder, get in that Jeep, and I'm going back to base. Because You're going to leave everybody else down there? I don't know how else I can rouse them, right? I've tried to rouse. I've tried to get consciousness i've shouted i've called names to everybody if there's no response from anybody because the only response i got was from dr michaels dr michaels and even that was amelia was the name shouted which means nothing to me but maybe it means something to someone else as much as i want to help the soldiers i don't know if there's anything i can do at this point actually is there a flare around? there are a number of flares that are in a bag yeah. that, that are outside the door okay so the unlit, unlit flares? Yeah. So if I strike one more and place it in the center, mm-hmm. because we're also losing daylight here at this point too. Yeah. So uh, just It, it should last a couple of hours. Last a couple of hours. You know that it's going to get cold here in about four or five hours. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm going to put the flare in just as kind of a marker to see if something impacts that flare, turns it off, knocks it over, something like that, then I'll mm-hmm. know something's happened. Sure. Um, and that's about all I can do. I'm going to get in the Jeep and go back. All right, are you speeding back? Oh, yeah. Top uh, speed. All right, uh, drive auto, please. Drive auto. So 40 for a drive auto, and that is a critical success, 001. You speed back to the base. Dr. Shane runs out to you, as well as the soldier that came with you. Yes. Um, his name is Private Anders. Anders, Private Anders. Okay. We didn't hear you call in. Yeah, the radio is busted. It's Okay, I'm going to have to relate what's going on here. Um, it's a telemo. Everybody f- being face down. Something really weird is going on. Okay. Everyone was there, except for Willie. Dr. Will- yeah, it was Willie. That's right. They sit there and listen, and that that's really strange. What would you like to do? Um, I'm going to look at uh, Dr. Shane. Is there anything you've come across that could explain any of this? Uh, there are a couple of hieroglyphs of people in prostrate positions. Maybe something there? Come with me. Um... And he says, are we just going to leave them out there all night? We can't leave them out there all night, but I want an answer before we go back. Otherwise, I don't. we're going to have to go and stand guard. We'll bring everybody it's, at this point. It's a tall order to get an answer, but between you and me and Hool, we, we might be able to figure out something. Yeah. 
I said, you go back. I need to send a quick message back to Major Linwood. And then, I guess, are we still within hours where that would be made? No, no, you're outside of business hours now. You're outside of business hours. Okay, I'm going to go back with them to the lab then. All right, he starts pointing around and barking Mm -hmm. orders. There are some uh, fragmented pieces. There is, of course, the green quartz. There are iron scraps. And there are the full pots and plates and pieces of pottery as well. Right. Where would you like to start? I would like to start with the quartz. Okay. Or sorry, actually, no, with the iron, because everything in the monolith is iron. We haven't seen anything else, correct? That's right. Not even hieroglyphics on the inside or anything. It's just pure iron. That's right. So I want to look at that iron, and I want to just start yelling. I want basically want to pick up a piece and shout at it and see if it does anything. Mm-hmm. And it, again, it's cool to the touch. Cooler yes. than, it, than it should be. Yeah. And you sit there and shout at it, and I mean, nothing happens. Mm-hmm. Dr. Hool says, so this is what we're doing now? We're just shouting at, at metal? Well, I kind of explain what happened with... And he, he like, kind of laughs at you and says, yeah, that's... We're that's, trying anything. We're desperate. That's fine. Uh, he starts to look at the quartz. Mm-hmm. Um, As, yeah, the next one would be quartz. Iron. He he just, is, he's been fascinated by the quartz since yeah. he saw that large boulder down at the right. pit at the ziggurat. So Dr. Hool is, is focused on that. And Dr. Shane, who's... Uh, kind of a thin man. Um, mm-hmm. He's got kind of he's got small bifocals on him, even though he seems to be younger. He's in his in his thirties. He's thin but wiry. A little bit taller than the average person, but shorter than you still. Okay. And he walks over to the fragments and he starts trying to piece them together, still trying to find an answer. He can't remember which artifacts he saw these these symbols on. So he's trying to trying to piece together what he can. Yeah. Um, while you're looking at the iron, he says. I don't know what you're going to get out of that. These are large chunks, pieces that are surprisingly light for how big they are, but that just is because they're porous. However, you can't see through any of the holes. They all seem to bore down mm-hmm. into the center, towards the middle. Um, I pick up a pen or a pencil or something around, and I yeah. just put it in one of the pores. And it, 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 nothing it, happens. Does it, just, like, it, does it physically touch anything, or can no, I put it, it all the way through? Like Every one of these the... chunks seems to be relatively large. Each one of these pieces are large enough that they wouldn't fit inside a desk drawer. Right. Because I want to see something, if I can actually pull, push something through an entire pore side to side. No. So, no matter how long something is, if it goes in, it doesn't come out the other side? That's or right. It... It's not hollow. There's no through hole on any of these pieces that you right. can find. Okay. So, like, let's say, if the piece is this, like, four feet in diameter, yep. for example, if I had a five-foot rod, it would eventually hit at about, you know, three feet or something? Or yeah, I... it, the center of each piece feels like it's solid. It's solid in the center. Yeah. Okay. Um, just, I'm throwing out anything at this point. I'm grabbing the quartz and putting them together and seeing if they have any interaction at each other. If I ping off the quartz, does the sound do anything? Or... No. No. Okay, uh, so I, then the next step is I want to ask Dr. Shane. Like, these hieroglyphics with the people prostrate, have you found anything that links these with any of the other hieroglyphics? I can't even find which ones they are. And, and he keeps going through goes, if we can find them, we can start contrasting them against other things. Okay, I call all hands on deck. Anybody who's around, I said, I need you guys to find any sort of piece of hieroglyphic with this on it. The soldiers will come and yes. help, but the workers are not leaving the, the barracks yeah. that they're in. All right, uh, give me a, let's call this a library use. Library use is an 80, and that's a 40, so that would be a hard success. No, sorry. Yes, hard success. As you are going through, you actually see that there are some symbols that you recognize here. 
Okay. And with a hard success, you're able to decipher. Mm-hmm. And, this, and the first thing that you see is a small inscription in and among other symbols that you don't recognize that says the messenger of the gods. It's a loose translation, mm-hmm. and that's kind of the closest that you can get. It could also mean the speakers of the gods, but it's very much singular, a, mm-hmm. a messenger, an There's orator, one. someone that speaks on behalf of the gods. One single piece. Okay. Um, I need someone to get Davies and bring, bring him up to me right away. We're going to keep going through this and just see if there's any more pieces we can get. Okay. One of the privates runs off and, and yeah. gets him and brings him back. And I'm going to show this piece that I found to uh, Dr. Shane and say, does this mean anything to you? Have you seen anything like this anywhere else? Oh, no. This is interesting. Hold on. Hold on. There is another piece like this. And he starts looking around. Okay. And kind of as we're going through these, I'm just going to show, oh, does Amelia mean anything to any of you? No. No? You say it was the only word that I could get out of Michael's. No. All right, well, let's keep looking. And so I'm going to help uh, Shane look for that piece that he was looking for. Where oh. do you think it was? Okay, do you want to roll another library use? Sure. We get an 80 for library use. That is a 99. That is an extreme failure. Yes. Um, so you end up looking, and it looks like nobody is able to, to figure this out. Dr. Shane... Stops. Says it has been a long day, and I wonder if I even, if I even saw what I think I saw. This was wishful thinking. He starts to doubt himself, and he looks at you and says, "I haven't eaten today. I need to, I need to go get some food. I will be back as quickly as I can, but I've got to recharge." That's it. Can you keep going? Can I get a private to get you food? Time is wasting here. And he looks at you and says, "I need, I need to recharge for a moment. Let me reset my brain. Give me fifteen minutes to go." Okay. And so he, he heads out. And Davies um, shows up and says, Yep, yeah, what do you want? I need you to deliver a message. It is incredibly urgent back to Major Linwood. I need you to fly to Cairo now. All right. What's the message? I jot it down on a piece of paper, and I basically write down real quick everything that's happened. Mm-hmm. Actually, I probably have extra tapes, right? You do? So I would I would pop a new tape in, orate my message, mm-hmm. and say, I need you to get this into the hands of Major Linwood as fast as you can. All right. Waste no time. Am I taking anyone with me? No, just yourself. All right, I'll be back by midnight. And he he walks away, and after a few minutes, you can hear the helicopter start to to mm-hmm. speed up, and the engine starts to to kick in. Yeah, we've got both jeeps back at base now. Yes. So we have, and we have one corporal, mm-hmm. three privates, and one who's insane. Uh, well, one well, that's one, sorry, non-responsive. Non-responsive. Not that's right. Non-responsive. I'll keep two privates at the base, send corporal and one private out. I said, I just need you to watch. The base there. Do we have another portable radio? Yeah, there are the a number. Ra- there are a number yeah. of radios. Yeah. Said, Let's keep in radio contact. Do not, whatever you do, do not go down into that pit. Do not even descend. But I just want you to stay there. If you see anything suspicious around the border, radio me immediately. This is one of the privates. The corporal and the private. Okay, so the two of them are going together. Yeah. And there's two privates staying back with me. Uh, they are going to request that they can arm themselves. Of course. And so they go and they get some rifles and they head out. Yeah, and I will be in... As soon as you get there, radio contact me and I'll let you know what the plan is. We're going to work a beforehand plan between now and then. You can hear the Jeep start up a few minutes later and take mm-hmm. off as Dr. Black comes back. And he says, oh, this place is becoming a ghost town. And he's still eating a, about half a sandwich as he yeah. walks in. And he sits down, starts looking around and says, All right, where were we? We were trying to help Shane find... We're trying to decipher what's going on here, what this could possibly mean, these prostrate. Messenger of the gods could mean anything. We're trying to find anything that ties to it. If you are continuing to look, you need to keep rolling library use checks. Yeah, we're what I'm looking for we're looking for a cure. 
Because at this point, I've tried everything that I can think of, and I need information at this point. So library chat use. Ooh, 81. I'll push that. So now I need less than 40. Yep. 86. Jeez. You end up wasting about an hour trying to find this. And at one point, Dr. Chain holds up a piece that says, I thought that this looked like a prostrate man. And then he turns it and he goes, but it could just be a man sitting. Mm. I'm not I'm not certain. Um, and he puts it down and he says, I don't even know. If this, this isn't what I was picturing in my head. He starts looking around and he says, I'm starting to get a headache. And he starts kind of scratching behind his ear a little bit. Going, this is it's very strange. Very strange. Now he's muttering to himself and walking around. Listen check to see what he's muttering. Sure. 60 for a listen, and that's a 66. I will dump the 6 luck into that to sure. have that be a success. How much luck do you have now? Uh, so 57, we're moving on to 51. And he's muttering under his breath about <sighs> goddamn bad lighting with the long nights, and, <sighs> and he's just, and, and it's not, should it be over? Can I? And he's just, he's just frustrated, yeah. muttering to himself. You need to take a break, Shane. We're at a dead end here. I don't know what else to do. I'm going to radio out towards the corporal and the private out there that I just sent out, and let's just see what's happening out there. Let's get an update. Go get some food, get a break, collect yourself. You radio out, and they say, we've gotten here, we're setting up, there's no change. We, uh, we shone a flashlight down, and they're all still exactly the way that you said they were. Whatever you do, do not go down into that pit. I don't care what happens. If anything changes, radio me. I will be coming out there with the other Jeep within the hour to check in and see what's going on. We're just going to try a few more things here before and I come And as you are talking, you hear the engine of the other Jeep. Hear the engine of the other Jeep. Mm-hmm. I, okay, I want to look. Uh, and as you run out, you see the taillights of the Jeep take off towards Giza. Towards Giza. Yep, it seems to be overloaded with people. There are also a number of workers that are running in that direction right, as well. So all the workers are getting out. Um, one of the privates should be there. What yeah. the hell happened? How did you let them get that Jeep? My job is is to guard the lab. Part of guarding the lab is guarding the people. What's going on here? Well, I can't be in two places at once, and every, you sent everybody else away. There's only two of us, and you've got both of us sitting here d- digging through these hieroglyphs looking for things. Cursing under my breath. I said, all right. I radio to the uh, corporal and the private out there. Are you guys still there? Yep. I update them. Jeep's been stolen. Is Fantastic. There, is there a way you can intercept that Jeep? Yeah, but we would have to leave here. Just do it. We need two Jeeps. We can't be relying on one Jeep. All right. We're both going then. Yes, that's fine. You know that they're going to be a solid half hour behind oh, these yeah. guys. So um, they're going to be racing. Yeah. I expect their ability to drive a Jeep would be much better than these locals. That's right. So they should That's a safe to... assumption. And yeah. they're armed. They're prepared. Yeah. They could, should at least be able to force them out of the Jeep, and hopefully. <laughs> All right. So that leaves you. Me, two privates, and Shane and Black. Nope. Shane oh, and Hool. Uh, pool. That statue that we saw down there. Mm. Anything triggering anything in your brain? Uh, yeah, as a matter of fact, over here. And he shows you a broken piece of pottery. And it is very clearly, there's a, a etching of the statue there. Mm-hmm. There seems to be an inscription underneath it. Uh, can you roll the library use? Yeah. Better than I have been. <laughs> 78. Uh, library use is 80, so that is just a success. And it says underneath the Dark Man. The Dark Man. Have we seen it at anywhere else? Yes, as a matter of fact, you have. Give me another library use. An 
81. I will use the luck to push that down to next success. So that's one luck down to, down to 50. The Dark Man is, it seems to be written in ancient Egyptian. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, as, ancient Egyptian. Okay. Yeah, as far as you can tell. But there's also a inscription underneath it, and that inscription is the exact same as what's underneath the Messenger of the Gods. Okay. So it seems like these two passages are linked. These two are linked, yes. I... I want to try something. Yeah? These two are obviously linked. There's something going on here. There's no way that we're getting those people to move, and there's no way we're getting that statue to move. It's this Amelia. It's stuck in my head. I can't get it out of my head. We need to get either a person to the statue or the statue of the people. Um, yes. Do you think that's a good idea? I don't know that anything is a good idea. I haven't made a single good decision today. All I've done is getting people in trouble, people the, killed. This is this, killed. this is not your fault. This is not your fault. We don't know what's going on with that. They seem to be under some sort of trance. Uh, and it, it, it could just be something as simple as the acoustics messing with their inner ear. And he tries to, he's calming you down now. Can you roll a sanity as you start to, to get worked up? So 60 at 29, that is a success. So he manages to calm you down a little bit yeah. and say, look, we don't know what this is. And before we start saying there's magical statues and trying to... I'm not saying it's magical, but there's obviously some sort of connection between them. Sure. But just because we've got a piece of pottery that mm-hmm. says someone prayed to this dark man doesn't necessarily mean that that's what's happening over there. So let's wait for a Jeep to show up and let's continue working on this for now. And one of the privates pipes up and says, this is this is damn useless. This is damn useless. And, and he stops and he says, I don't even know why you have it uh, laid out like this. What do you mean laid out like this? He says, well, these ones belong over here and those ones belong over there. And he starts pointing. What do you, what do you mean? And I go over to take a look and see if I can understand what he's trying to tell me. Can you give me a spot hidden? Spot hidden, yes. 37, that will be a success on a 50. He he points and he says, you see these dots here? Yes. Some of them have dots, some of them have lines, and some of them have nothing. Correct. Well, why are they not grouped? It's it's clear that the dots go together. You're right. Let's get moving. Move these as fast as you can. Let's get this reorganized. There are hundreds of pieces. Yeah. And he and he goes, oh, all right. And he starts moving it around, putting some of the broken pieces with some of the whole pieces and kind mm-hmm. of rearranging and reorganizing as this goes. Is he doing it by himself? No, we're all, I'm getting everybody. Let's pitch in. Let's all get moving. And if any symbols seem to go together, let's try and do that at the same time. All right. Give me another library use. Library use 80. That is a 49. That is a success. Uh, as you are moving them around, you can see that there are a couple of pieces that seem to go together. And you can make out bits and pieces of ancient Egyptian that's mixed in with, with this other symbology that's here. And uh, and you find a piece, when put together, it says, Green viewers can reveal the truth. It's a horrible translation. Mm-hmm. Um, at this point, has... Uh... Shane started to come back at all? No. Sorry, he said green viewers can reveal the truth? That's right. And I pointed at the green, uh, the green uh, quartz. Mm-hmm. Said, let's look at the green, anything. Are we seeing any, and what I want to see, is there any dots or lines in them or things that line up with the dots and lines that we're seeing on the in, pottery? In the green quartz? Yeah. No, it, it seems it to just be a natural crystalline. Right. There's nothing etched nothing in etched here. Nothing etched in it. It's just a natural flow. That's right. Or nat- unnatural in some way. Okay. I kind of sit back. 
head in my hands, looking up. I just kind of utter a quick prayer, just out of desperation. And I look back. I say, okay, the pieces are sorted. Green viewers can reveal the truth. The guy with the... The black man with the black... Had the green eyes, correct? Yes. What do you think? Any correlation there? I'm trying to put this together. As you're having this conversation, the sound of an engine goes flying by the camp. By the camp. A Jeep engine. Yes. And just doesn't stop, right? Doesn't stop. No, it just keeps on going right by. All right. And I glance... Run out of the tent. We're not going to see it. The thing's already gone, I assume. Uh, Yeah, and it's heading towards Giza. Heading towards Giza? The second one. That's right. Uh, That's probably the one coming from the direction of the... That's right. Okay, so it's the... We would assume it's the soldiers going yeah. to catch up. Perfect. So while we're without a vehicle, what does this possibly mean? The green viewers can reveal the truth. I mean, the guy had the green eyes, but is that related? The quartz is green, but the we looked at the eyes. They weren't quartz in them, right? It was a full solid green. It wasn't in the eyes of the statue when we looked at it. You did not get close enough to get a really good um, view of what was in the eyes. You also know that the eyes themselves were... You know, human size, mm-hmm. but these these giant like rocks of quartz, these giant crystals, yeah. easily have enough green in them to be able to be to have been cut down to, to fit cut that down in. and worked to be able to fit in. If that's what this is, right? Well, we're looking at a forty-minute walk out to the obelisk if we take the quartz, a chunk of quartz, with us because there's none out there. That's right. We could stop at the thinking about the pottery that was intact down in there. We need to do something. Let's get moving. Uh, you have pottery that's intact here. We have pottery that's intact here. But not painted like what I thought I saw. That's right. So I say to uh, Hool, I think we need to go back. There's a piece of pottery that I want to grab from the ziggurat. I want to see if it gives us any more other options. Otherwise, we're taking some quartz with us out there, and we're going to see if that quartz will reveal anything. Okay. Out at the obelisk. Okay. I need you to come with me. We're going to leave the privates here. Just uh, hold down the fort, boys, I guess. There's... If the jeeps come back, send one out, stop, have it stop at the ziggurat, shout for us. If there's nothing, head out to the uh, obelisk and we'll make a plan again there. But for now, hold the base down. There's not much more we can do. I'm sorry to leave you like this, but we have to do something. So uh, Understood. Yeah. Uh, if uh, Shane comes out, actually, we're going to go stop by and see Shane before we go. Okay. Uh, you find him. He is in his bunk. Now... There's the big mess hall area, yes. and then down a little hallway is a series of small bunk rooms. Right. Everybody doubles up, okay. and Dr. Shane and Dr. Michaels share one, mm-hmm. and he is on his bunk with his head in his hands, and he, he's just scratching behind his ear and muttering, and he, he kind of looks up when he hears you guys approach and the door open, and he opens one eye, and it's clear that he's got a wicked headache, and he says, I'm sorry, I don't know what's come over me, I'm, I can't, I can't. I can't. Can we get you something from the medics? Uh, I... we had some sort of, Or do you have any medication? Any no, I'm, I'm going to sleep. You're going to sleep. You've done all you can. Pool and I are going to head out to the ziggurat. There's one more piece I thought that I might have found there that might be of importance. Okay. And we're going to take some of this quartz with us to see if anything happens, but... Okay. We're... we're we're shooting long here. Okay. I don't know what else to do. Okay. And so you get some rest. We will have a portable radio on us. Call us if anything comes. If you think of anything, or if you're feeling better. But yeah, I mean, you're no good to us in this condition. Yeah. And he looks up at you and he says, "The truth it unravels men." He lays down and he rolls over and he goes to sleep. It's strange to say, but there's been a lot of men unraveled today. He must be exhausted. Do we let him rest? We'll let him rest. What are you taking for a light source? I just want something that we can carry with us. We just need a basic light source. I know what I'm... I have an idea of what I'm looking for. So, lantern, then? So, lantern, yeah. 
As you guys head out there, each of you carrying a lantern, mm -hmm. leaving everybody else behind, yeah. you manage to get about halfway there before there's this echo that comes across the sand dunes. And Hool stops and looks at you and says, You in the war? Briefly. I didn't see much action. He says, Mm, I did. I know a gunshot when I hear one. We gotta keep push forward then. Let's get to the ziggurat. I don't, I don't know where that gunshot came from. It didn't sound like it was coming from base. Let's keep pushing. I mean, the next place it could come from was the monolith or from the soldiers trying to take the truck back. It could have been either one of those. We can't, won't be of any help to either of those. Let's keep moving. So, to the ziggurat. The sun finally sets, just as you get to the ziggurat. You've left behind two privates and Dr. Shane, mm -hmm. and everyone else seems to have been scattered to the wind. You get to the ziggurat, and see that there's that ramp that leads down. Yeah. And when you head down to the bottom, you find that uh, Dr. Hool is pretty out of breath. He's mm -hmm. a little overweight and he's shorter than you are and you've been marching at a pretty good pace. And he stops while you head down and he, he stops at the canteen, at the large water jugs that are there and yeah. fills up his canteen and drinks for a moment. Are you gonna head down without him or are you gonna wait for him? I'm gonna give him a moment to catch his breath. Actually, you know what? I know where I'm going. I'm going to go down with him. Okay. He says, I, I'm right behind you. Yeah. No, catch. Don't even worry. I'm grabbing it. I'm coming back. Okay. I'll meet you back here. Just catch your breath. We got a big march ahead of us still. All right. And when you head down, you see that it looks untouched from the last time that you mm -hmm. were down here. And you get down to the bottom uh, with this piece of quartz. What would you like to do? Uh, so in this case, I'm going to... I'm on a mission at this point. I'm going into the ziggurat, taking a left, walking the 15, 20 paces I saw to the piece of pottery that looked like it was painted different than the rest. Yeah. And grabbing it. You pick up a piece of pottery. You go in and you're able to grab it, no problem. As yeah. you turn around to come back out, though, the lantern reveals as you head back towards the T-junction mm -hmm. on your way back out that the two glowing green, green eyes. eyes seem closer and further down than they were before. But you can't see the statue itself with this weak light source. Right. I notice that's moved, so I'm going to move towards it. I want to investigate it. All right, I'm going to shout to Hool. Hool, are you there? And he, he's outside the mouth of the ziggurat. He's yeah. like, yes? Did you guys touch that this afternoon? We didn't go, We didn't come back this afternoon. Do you want to come in here for a second? Is you it... see the lantern approaching. Yeah. And then he walks in and says, yeah. Does that look like it's moved to you? He turns around and, and jumps and yes. Yes, it does. Care to go with me? No, but okay. I just want to take a quick look. And I, it, we can't spend much time here. We need to get moving. And as you creep forward, you see that, sure enough, this has slid forward. The floor of the hallway has been lifted up behind it, as if someone had the set off on this. The front, where we were. Sorry? If the backside is elevated, then the weight would have been on the front. That's right. Yeah, so it looks as if someone had triggered this, and the statue now is at the edge of this seesaw, yeah. almost and has been triggered to come forward and you cannot see the bottom half of the statue now as it's down in the pit but the top half is sticking out with one arm pointing still out still pointing out and I want to look it directly in the eyes and examine it see if it looks like the quartz now that I'm closer uh yes give me a spot hidden and that's a 50 and a 49 just makes it yes as a matter of fact these are two two pieces quartz. of quartz yeah um, I want to take... The hand is reached out open like it holds a sword or something. So there's one hand that is extended forward with a loose grasp. Looks like it held some sort of object. Yeah. And the other hand is a closed, uh, a loosely closed fist. 
loosely closed fist, and I want to take a closer examination of what is in that, if I can see anything in that fist. Uh, you do see that there is inside a glimmer of green. Can, is it? Does it look grasped, or would I be able to possibly pull it out? You would have to break fingers to get it. I'd have to break fingers to get at it. I'm going to turn to, well, something set this off. I don't know what. Could still be here. And he says, look at it. Look closely. And he gets right up, and he runs his thumb over it, and he says, they've painted it black, but underneath is the iron. Oh, okay. I said, let's just scrape this black off. Let's see if we can find more. You're, you're going to have a pocket knife as yeah. part of your pack. And so you pull out your knife and start to scrape away at it. And uh, can you give me a listen check? Listen is uh, 16, and that is an 11. As you're scraping, you hear something inside of it start to move and slither. The same slithering noise that you heard inside of the monolith. I would like you to roll a sanity check. Sanity is currently at 60. Ooh, that's a 97. That is an extreme failure. That is a, yeah, that's a critical failure. I would like you to roll uh, a d8, please. One. You lose one sanity. Suddenly you're back in that dark room and you can feel yourself, the walls closing in. You need to get out of here. This makes you incredibly uncomfortable being in this room. And it feels like those two green eyes are following you wherever you go. Right, I'm not even going to say anything to Hool. I'm just going to run. Okay. And, and Hool says, what are, what, what are we doing? Are we just leaving? I'm not even, I'm just running. Just fearful. Just got to get out of the ziggurat. Uh, once I get to open air, I think I'm going to catch my breath. And I'm going to shout to Hool. Are, are you coming? I'm, I'm going to get these eyes. Don't touch the eyes. And he, he walks back around the corner. He says, oh, all right, okay, let, let's go. I'm going to let him, why do you want the eyes? Can you, I don't think they even come out. Like, they're in there. I'm going to shatter the thing open. There was something in there. There's something alive inside that statue. I heard it. And he looks at you and says, no, there wasn't. I heard it. That's impossible. Something I, painted in there for years. I know it's impossible. But there's something. It has been a stressful day and your mind is playing tricks on you. I don't think it's a good idea. We need to get out of here. All right. And he, he follows you out. Yeah. All right. Where to now? The monolith, I guess. We need to figure out what's going on out there. Um, but before we go, I'll radio back to the two privates back at the base. Can anything change? Yeah, yeah, you should. You might want to get back here. Uh, you might want to get back here real fast. Well, there's our answer. Let's go. And we, we're running at this point. Give I'm me not... a constitution check to see Sounds how good. long you can run for. Sounds good. Constitution is 55. That is a 95. That is just barely not an extreme success. You guys are slow, and uh, and it's been a long, tiring day, and you don't get back there nearly as quickly as you'd like. But when you do with the lanterns coming forward, one of the privates runs up to you, and it's Private Anders. Yeah. And he runs up and says, he came in, he just started smashing everything. Who did? Uh, Dr. Shane. What? Let's go. Where is he? You run up to the lab, and you can hear ranting and raving and smashing. Stop him. Stop him. And the other private is in there with a gun pulled, but not trained on him. Yeah. And just standing back, and he sees you guys come in, and he visibly relaxes and says, You guys got to stop me. He's not even responding to us. And you can see that he has turned tables over, and he has broken the quartz. He's using a crowbar to start smashing the pottery up. And he's saying over and over again, we got to stop it. we got to end it. We have to stop this before before it all goes bad. we got to stop this, and and, and, and we, need, we need help. I'm going to run up close to him, just out of crowbar range. Shane, look at me now. Uh, I would like a fast talk. Fast talk. 
Fast talk is a five. Actually, no, uh, this will be a charm. Oh, that's a two. That's a two. Oh, okay. So, uh, <laughs> charm? Charm. My charm is 40, so that is an extreme success then. All right, so you uh, call out to him, and he stops and looks at you, and you can see a wildness in his eyes. And he licks his lips for a minute and says, you don't, you, you, you don't understand, I just, I just, and he drops the crowbar and turns around and says, I, I can't, I can't, I can't be like this. I can't, I can't, I can't do this. Take a breath. What can't you do? They move. The symbols, they move. When you're not looking, they're not where you think they need to be. And he, and he starts talking about how the symbols are all are all moving and, and shifting every time he looks away. And he's ranting and raving at this point. And he says, I, I, I thought it was just a headache, but, but look at them. Look at them. Watch them move. I, I'm going to do that. I want to see what he's talking about, see if it's making any sense. The symbols don't seem to be moving at all. Shane, nothing is moving. What do you mean? Show me. He reaches out to touch one and then jumps back and screams. I pick up whatever he was about to touch. And he looks at you as if you've just performed a miracle of some sort. Then he starts to cry and he says, I don't understand. I'm sorry. I don't understand. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what happened. I'm, I don't, I don't feel good. My head hurts and there's, there's something that's right there, right at the tip of my mind. And I just, I, I, I need to lie down. I need, I need to lie down. Talk to me, Shane. Talk. What's going on? You've got to pull yourself together. I need you to take a deep breath. We need you. I know that there's something here. You're seeing something. I need you to explain it to me. And he, he, and he says, I just don't, don't touch the iron. The small ones or the big ones? Any of it. And he kind of twitches real hard and then makes a small little whimper in the back of his throat and turns around and just marches out of the tent into the night. Follow him. Let's follow him now. And he starts walking out towards the desert. And I'm, the piece that he wanted to reach out to touch, I'm going to take with me. The piece in your hand is labeled as being piece 1347B. 1347B, okay. I'm going to give that piece to Hul. I'm going to say, look at this. We need to follow, I need to follow him. Can you look at this? And whatever you do, we need to get this to somebody. He takes the piece from you and he walks back into the lab, holding up this small clay jar with a number of hieroglyphs on it. And meanwhile, Shane is marching off into the darkness. I just showed back. I said, I've got to follow him, but whatever you do, protect this piece. Do you understand? Yep. Yes, 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 yes. And he walks away and the door closes behind you. And I start to follow uh, Shane out into the desert. And you can just hear him kind of sobbing. He's not heading towards the monolith or the ziggurat. He's not heading towards Giza. He's just walking out into the open desert. I'm it's starting try, to get colder now. Whatever I, I'm basically, as I'm trying to try and catch up to him. Put my hands on his shoulders. And I say, "You need to pull yourself together." Can you roll another charm? So charm is forty. Ooh, that's a seventy-six. I'm gonna push that. Okay, so you need a twenty. Twenty. <laughs> Ninety-four. So as you reach out to shake him, he turns around and takes a swing at you. All right, I'm gonna try and jump out of the way. So uh, th that'll be a dodge then. Yes, dodge. That's a 42. That was an extreme success for me. Dodge is 40. So he clocks you something fierce for a whopping nine damage. Oh, that'll bring me down to two. I, I'm sorry, that's seven damage. Seven damage, that'll bring me down to four. He hits you so hard that he knocks you out in the first hit. You take a shot directly in the jaw and you can feel the world go sideways and down you go. And the world fades to black.
You wake up hours later in the middle of the desert. And Shane, Shane is, is gone. gone. There um, are a couple of lights on over at the buildings. Yeah. And you can see them in the distance. Yeah, and that's where I'm going to go. You stumble in that stumble. direction. Yeah. You have had your bell rung something fierce. And you're, you taste blood. Mm-hmm. As you walk closer, you see that there are two jeeps parked outside. Yeah. One of the jeeps has a significant amount of blood in the front seat of it. I'm going to just keep walking past and I'm going to see who I can find. The first person that you find is the corporal. He is alone inside the lab. Mm -hmm. And he is standing there still picking up pieces that Dr. Shane has smashed. And he's placing them on the tables, trying to get them in some sort of organization. And he turns to you and he says, where the hell have you been? I was trying to bring, get Shane. He knocked me out. And you can see that he has dropped all military chain of command at this point. Yeah. And he is just scared. What happened, Corporal? You got the jeep back. They wouldn't pull over. We had to fire into the group of them. Did you kill one? Uh, we don't believe so, although there was a lot of blood. They he was on them. his feet when they were running. Okay. This is unfortunate, but I'm glad we were able to get the jeep back. This is this is crazy. I don't know what's going on. I'm afraid. I'm confused. Where is who? And you hear one of the jeep engines start, and he says, probably at the jeep. And he doesn't know that you're back. Yeah. And he gets up and he starts moving with you towards yeah. the jeep. I mean, as fast as I possibly can in my state, I'm going to work my way out to the jeep. And as you get out there, Dr. Houle is standing at the side of the jeep while one of the privates is, is in there. And Dr. Houle sees you and is startled. And he runs over. He says, are, are you okay? Shane knocked me out. I'm I'm okay. My bell's a little rung. I'm okay. I don't know where he is. Okay, uh, I'm going to take you over to the infirmary in a moment. And he turns to the private and waves at him to just go. And the private starts to back up and drive away. Where's he going? So that pot that you said? Yeah. Uh, I didn't know what to do. I wrote a, a message. Um, and he stops and he looks at you and he says, These show us things that men weren't meant to see. And he holds up a piece of worked green quartz, mm-hmm. which is obviously one of the eyes. Yes. And he looks at you, and he, his eye kind of twitches for a second, and he says, these are the green viewers. The green viewers? We read about that. They reveal the truth, yes. is what it said. Yes. What is the truth? What truth is it referring to? And he just kind of laughs, a, a high-pitched cackle, and then claps a hand over his mouth. He says, ah. Uh, he stumbles for his words for a moment, and he looks at you, and he says, the truth it unravels men. That's what Shane said. And he, he laughs for a moment and he says, I sent the other one with it to the only address that I could find, uh, which um, is to a place in Colorado. I'm not sure where, but I told them don't don't take it out of Colorado so we can find them. Um, and What are you saying, man? And he, he starts to babble. What do you mean you sent an I? Why call, where did you find this address? What address? It was in the address book that was that was in my room. What address book in your room? I don't know. I haven't seen it before. It just it just makes it just makes sense. We need to stop that delivery, and he, Corporal. Let's take this jeep. We need to stop that man. And the corporal looks at you and, and says, "I'm just about done running around in the middle of the night until I know exactly what the fuck is going on." I don't know what's going on either. We need to stop that. That cannot leave this site. I don't know where it's going. We need to keep this under control. No, if you want to, if you want to go get it, get it yourself. And he tosses the keys at you. I've had too much for one day. Let it go. We have the other one. Show me that address book. And he nods and walks you towards the the main mess hall. 
into the back down the hallway towards his bunk where there's an address book sitting on the desk that's in that room and he picks it up and he hands it to you and there's a name written on the inside of it this booklet belongs to dr raymond shane Mm -hmm. and there are a number of addresses and uh, names all the way through it but the first one alphabetically by last name is theodore campbell and there sure enough is an address to a place in denver colorado so with my voice recorder, I'm going to, you know, be making a note of this for later because I need to know it. I'm going to say green eye, and you send the pottery as well, correct? The sample. That's right. So I'll say um, piece 1347B, and green eye of statue was sent to this address in Colorado. Must be intercepted. And Dr. Hool kind of twitches again and says, I think I need to lie down. Okay, you lie down, and I kind of... And said, well, we're going to walk out for a second. You get some rest. As I walk out, I'm going to pull the corporal aside and say, this is the exact same as Shane. Same thing that happened to Shane. Something is wrong. What We need to keep an eye on this. We cannot let him escape like we lost Shane. We cannot lose another man. He may hold the key here. I'll get Anders to post a watch outside of this door. Mm-hmm. What are we going to do? I need to think. Give me a minute. And I'm going to open the door and poke my head in on uh, Hool. Hool has emptied his pockets out onto the desk. Mm-hmm. You see that there's a pocket knife. and The uh, eye is what I'm looking for. It, it is there, yeah. He's starting to get undressed and he looks and at you. And, and I'm going to take a hang- my handkerchief out of my pocket and I said, can I have the eye? I want to take a look at it. And he just picks it up and, and hands it to you and says, good riddance. I wrap it up and I walk out and I say, get some rest. And he looks at you again and he says, it unravels men. I'm already unraveled. And he lays down on the bed kind of half undressed he's still wearing his shoes and his, mm-hmm. and his pants his belt is on and he lays down and you can see that he's lying on on the cot looking straight up at the ceiling the same way that that private was in the back of the jeep and he takes a deep breath and then starts breathing really shallowly as you go mm-hmm. the corporal is outside and he looks at you and he says okay there we're gonna get anders to come stand here and then I'm going to take you over to the infirmary and we're going to get you looked at because that looks like it hurts something fierce. And he points at your jaw. I'm not feeling good. Give me two minutes. I have something I need to lock away and I'll meet you in the infirmary. I'll be there in just a minute. And I go to my office. Constitution check, please. Yeah, you got it. Uh, 55 is the constitution. That is a 19. So 19 would be not quite an extreme success, but a hard success. And he looks at you and says, are you sure you're okay? And all of a sudden you you hold back the overwhelming urge to vomit. And you struggle with it for a minute and almost double over, but you're able to choke it back down. And he says, sir, you are concussed. Two minutes. I really, I don't know what this is. I don't want it in the wrong hands. I'm just going to lock it up and I will meet you right in the infirmary. All right. I'll have a safe in my office and that's where it'll go. Okay. Still wrapped up. I'm going to leave it in the handkerchief. I don't dare touch it. So the military uh, barracks is attached to this large mm-hmm. mess hall and, and the sleeping barracks for everyone else. Yeah. You're able to just pass through a door into the military barracks. You've got keys to let yourself through and whatnot. The corporal comes mm-hmm. back and is waiting in the infirmary by the time that you get there. Right. He's with a private who has medic okay. armband. And he is the last, last private one. besides Anders and the one that was on the jeep. And so he looks at you and says, I want you to sit down. And he says, check him out. And so we're going to roll a first aid check. Sounds good. He's a medic, so he's going to have a bonus die. That is a 34th. You're going to gain one hit point. One hit point. That's up to five. He puts a cold compress on the back of your neck, and it seems to clear your head a little bit. And he says, you are not allowed to sleep. 
for at least four hours. I'm so tired, but okay. So you can't sleep when you have a concussion. Understood. And the corporal says, Anders is posted outside the door. There's no one watching the lab right now. Send the corporal. I can, you know what? I'm going to walk. Am I okay to walk up to the lab? Can I at least sit yep. there? Yeah. I want to see if I can piece things together. I won't do anything arduous, but I need to do something to keep me awake. I'm going to go through. You're going through. I'd like you to roll a sanity check just because you're off your game and you're looking at all of these symbols and everything has mm-hmm. been very strange. Um, I am going to be looking for samples near 1347B. Sure. Anything identified kind of in that. So sanity right now is 59. That is an 89. I'd like you to roll a D4. A D4. Three. So uh, remove three, three more seven. sanity. Things are not really making much sense to you right now. You've been mm-hmm. rattled pretty hard by this. Yeah. This concussion is working through you. There's a lot that just happened. Yeah. Uh, with Hool, with Shane missing, you are missing three scientists and the majority of the soldiers. All the workers are gone. Mm-hmm. This has been a catastrophic failure. And everything seems to be completely and totally out of your control. It's starting to wear on you. You're feeling pretty mm-hmm. raw. And it's going to occur to you that perhaps working is going to be the best way to pass the time. Yeah. Uh, although you haven't really eaten or anything else. don't have much of an appetite at this point, I don't think. Like, there's a deep hunger but i think it's overwhelmed by everything else all right so what would you like to do i'm gonna work through the concussion um i'm gonna work through until the morning until i can send a message out to uh linwood whenever office hours would be um at this point we're just trying to hold it together hold down the fort we've got i'll have at least have a the private the medical private watching the front gate mm-hmm. armed um and then corporal and uh, private that was outside the door there anders anders watch, switching off shift as you sit here and you are working your way through. Mm. I'd like you to roll a library use to see. You know that this has all been smashed to pieces. So even the pieces that were whole before that were labeled are now in six or seven pieces. Mm -hmm. And they had all been rearranged, so there's not even really any numerical order to them. So it's difficult to tell what's going on. So roll a library use. Sure, 80. That is a 35. That's a hard success. So you are able to find uh, some of the others that are around mm-hmm. 1347B. Uh, it's difficult to determine if they're broken or not. And so you spend some time with a hard success. You manage to put another group together that you recognize. The only reason you recognize it is because it has that same symbol that was underneath the messenger of the gods mm-hmm. and the dark man. Right. And this symbol says something along the lines of introduced or brought forth or entered with and then the number 13 mm-hmm. and then it says the gods from the skies gibberish what does this mean this is almost impossible to piece these bits yeah, and pieces together impo- i am having an impossible time i'm ready to break the food i think with that amount of work i mean even the pieces i'm assembling aren't making much sense the corporal comes with you he's been kind of puttering around and putting things back in order as best as he can and he sits down across from you and he says Now, Dr. Hool had been babbling for a while. He looked through the green quartz, he tells you, and he said that everything, he could read it. He could read it. He said it all made sense to him. And then he started talking about how he had read too much too quickly. And then he started to repeat over and over again, the truth unravels men. And that's when he decided he needed to start sending some mail. And he started to act incredibly erratically. 
And we don't have any jurisdiction over stopping him from sending mail. Well, this is government property and he's sending. We do have oh, we didn't know that. We thought this was some private... All of this dig... This is a government site. We own all of it. He told us that he was sending some of his items home. It's not your fault. You didn't know. How could you have known? Well, without you or Sarge, we... No, I'm, I'm not blaming you. I blame myself. This has gone awry from the moment I s started this morning. Every mistake I've made is starting to add up. It's been a day. We are in the worst shape we possibly could be. At this point, we need to hold on for reinforcements and hope and pray that Davies made it and that Lynn is has people on the way already. This was an unmitigated disaster. This, I don't even understand what's happening here. I don't understand what's happening here. We have found these places. We unearthed them. We found these pieces. It's that damned door. I just read something, and I'm not a superstitious man. If you know what the date was yesterday. It was the 13th? It was the 13th. I was able to put a few more pieces together while I was trying to stay awake. And the number 13 came up. 13 has never been a good number in any culture. I don't know if this day was fated to end this way, but I don't know what's happening. Well, it's the 14th now, so let's try to pull ourselves together, and let's make some calm, intelligent, rational decisions. He looks at you and he says, I trust Anders. I trust Stevens, who's the yeah, medic. Yeah, yeah. The good men, the good boys, they got good heads on their shoulders. The four of us should be able to be just fine as long as we don't make any silly, irrational mistakes, and as long as Hul stays asleep. Agreed. I'm not willing to make any more moves. Every move we've made has only made things worse. He says, now we do have another man who's lost himself. I've been, been, been meaning to ask how he's doing. I keep getting distracted. We don't know. We No one's checked in on him in hours. Well, that might be a good idea. Let's go together, you and I. I would like to move him into Dr. Shane's bed so that he's with Dr. Hool. So we just have one man I, there. We'll, we'll put Stevens on duty there because he's the medic and he'll keep track and it'll be me, you, and Anders. Agreed. Let's. I think before we move him in, let's just take a quick check in to make sure that the room is safe for him. I don't want to be putting him into any sort of situation. Just open the door, we'll take a look, and as long as all looks clear, let's, I agree, let's move him in. We can only guard one room. We don't have the manpower to lock down multiple areas and we just need to hold out until the cavalry arrives. So you do go find him in his own room, and he is still staring at the ceiling, breathing shallowly. Mm -hmm. When you go check in on Hool as well, he is in the exact same state. It is eerie how much mm -hmm. their bodies are in the exact same position. My mind goes back to the people who are in the opposite position, face down. But That's right. equally as catatonic and disconnected. And, and it occurs to you with that, with the 11 people that are down there, plus the two, plus here, two here, that's the number 13 again. How does that make you feel? Maybe a sanity roll for that, I think. Yeah, okay, make a sanity roll. The dice decided. A 36. So, uneasy, but... And then my brain also goes, but there's one more missing for 14. We were missing Willie. Yeah, you're missing... Willie's unaccounted for. Yeah, but so is Shane now. Shane is also unaccounted for, that's true. Yeah. So, you're able to move the unfortunate private over into the other bunk there. Mm -hmm. And Stevens stands watch. Steven says, you can go get some sleep if you'd like. I need to stay awake until I get, get a message out to Linwood to verify. But as soon as that happens, I'll take a rest. Then what are we going to do until then? Let's eat again. Let's have some coffee. Not work? And we're not. No, we're not working. There's been enough. We just need to hold out at this point. It's about survival. And then I think that the uh, green gem comes to mind. Mm -hmm. Is there a draw to it? I wouldn't say necessarily that there's a draw, but if you're going to find answers... It's, yeah, it's through the green eye. I want to look at the pottery through that, but I also fear for my own sanity, and I don't know 
the strength. So That's your choice to make. I think it's locked up safe. I'm going to save that for another day after I've rested. At this point, I don't want to work. I want to find answers, but in the fragile state that I am and the exhaustion that I am, in fact, uh, with the corporal, that'll be part of the discussion. I said, I think the answer is here, but I don't know if I have the strength to do it now. I think we need to wait till tomorrow. He, he nods. He says, you get some rest. When the sun is all the way up, we should go out and see how the others are. Agreed. That was a cold night. You guys sit there and drink some coffee. When you go to send a message mm-hmm. out to uh, Major Linwood, you get a response back from his uh, secretary who says, Linwood, off base. Davies has arrived. He's waiting to hear back from Linwood with a message. We expect to talk with him early this afternoon. We'll advise, hold down the forts until we hear from you. We'll not be in office. Trust, I will message when I return. And so we'll go to the corporal. The corporal looks at you and says, get some rest. Not much, but we'll get some rest and then we'll go out and take a look once the sun's up. Yeah, and he turns to Anders and says, we're going to sleep in shifts. And he looks to you and says... How long are you going to be sleeping? Just a couple hours. I just need to get some rest, a little bit of energy back. Three hours. If oh. anything happens, wake me. Agreed. He turns to Anders and says, that's an hour and a half for you, and then you come wake me, set your alarm, private, and then kicks him off to bed as well. All right. Yeah, so I will go back to my room, and I'm just going to sleep. I'm not going to try and do anything else. Okay. He is going to take the opportunity to go relieve Stevens to mm-hmm. sleep for a while as well. So after my rest, I would have set an alarm to be up. Uh, you get up and you find Anders is there and he's looking pretty groggy. He is outside of Hool's bedroom yeah. on watch. The corporal is still asleep mm-hmm. and uh, Stevens is still asleep. But when he sees you, he nods and says, uh, if you stay here, I'll go wake the others. Quickly before you do, I'm just going to poke my head in, check on. They're exactly, the, exactly same. the same. Seat. Perfect. All right. Yeah. Go wake the others. He does. And he comes back with both of them and Stevens pulls a chair over and sits down outside the room drinking a coffee and the corporal comes over to you and says all right so what what's the plan i think we need to go out and check on what's going on with that monolith and he looks at you really close and hard and he says is this the right decision to make you have been running back and forth he says if this is your call sir and you can see that he's back into military mode Mm -hmm. the stress is eased on him he says, if this is your plan, sir, that's fine. But you spent a lot of time running around and everywhere you weren't, things were happening. And that's why I need to find out what was happening at the moment. I'm just going to go up by myself. I'm literally going to drive out, look if anything has changed, and come back. That is it. I don't intend to interact with anything. I don't intend to do anything. I just want to find out. I really need to take a look at some of the stuff that's back here, but my mind won't be at ease until I know what's going on up there. I would take the Jeep myself, 40 minutes. And he says, I don't want you going alone. Well, who else are we going to send? I can't leave the I will tell you right now, if you do not come back, or if we lose you, I am taking my men and we are vacating. At this point... I would expect nothing else. Well, then I'm sending you with one of my men. You can take Anders with you so that we still have access to a Jeep. And he turns to Anders and says, do not get out of that Jeep, no matter what happens, until you are back at base. All right. He's obviously still exhausted and exasperated. And he is just trying to look out for his own men. Anders drives. He's your chauffeur for this, and you mm-hmm. drive right out to the monolith? Yeah, straight to the monolith. No stop. When you get there, you see the tent is still up. Mm-hmm. The tent is up. Nothing seems to be changed at the ziggurat on the way by. Yeah. And you pull up, and Anders is standing there. And he, he looks at her for a moment, and he looks back at you. 
And he says, I'm going to get some water. I know we said don't leave the Jeep, but I'm going to get some water. And I'm going to load as much of this tools and stuff into the back as I can while you go look down. I'm going to keep the Jeep running. Keep the Jeep running. Pull the Jeep up right next to it. I'm going to be two minutes. I'm walking to the edge. I'm looking in and I'm getting back to the Jeep. And he nods. He flicks up the snap on his holster to keep his gun mm-hmm. at the ready. And I actually do the same at that point. Okay. What would you like to do? I... I literally just want to walk up to the edge and look and see what's Give me a spot there. hidden. This is going to be with a bonus die because the sun is overhead and illuminating down into this cavern. So 50, and that will be a 29. You see down there, all of the people are gone. But roughly in the position where they were, you can see a number of clay pots. One pot for where each person was. All right, I'm going to go back to the Jeep, and I'm not going to say a word. I'm saying, let's go back. And just going to look at you and say, everything okay? I don't know. All right, he's loaded up a couple of the tools and a big jug of water now, keeping in mind that water is something that you don't have naturally out here. Mm -hmm. So he's taking it back for you guys. And as he puts the Jeep in gear and starts to drive away, you can see in the distance, in and among the heat wave, you see what looks like a person. What looks like a person. Uh, Direction kind of towards where I was knocked out. Yeah, this is going to be north. So between you guys and And Giza. Giza. Yeah, and just one lone person. When you go to take another glance, yeah. you can't see it anymore. Can't it's lost it. in the haze. Yeah. I'm thinking my eyes are either playing tricks on me. It could be anything. Let's keep going. But you made a good point. Let's let's pick up that other jug of water from the ziggurat. We, we're going to need supplies. We're not going anywhere. We're bunkering. Okay. He pulls over and loads up that water. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to get back. So what would you like to do? So I'd like to go back to the lab. Yeah. Actually, sorry. I want to go back first to the safe. Mm-hmm. and grab the eye. I say, I'm just going to be in the lab going over things. You guys get your rest. We're just holding down the fort. When I get to the lab, I'll pull out the eye and look through it at a piece of pottery. I would like you to roll a sanity check. Mm-hmm. 79. That is definitely a failure, and I don't think I have enough luck to push into that. So Roll a d4, please. A d4. It's a 4. You lose 4 sanity. Oof. We're down to 50. As you peer through it, you see the symbols start to shift mm-hmm. and change. I need to know which group that you picked up. Was this one of the ones that from this the section the, with the blank? The one the that dots? I had just done. So introdu- number 13, the gods of the skies. Somewhere so, in that so this is where all the dots were. That's right. Yes. So as you pick it up, you can see that these symbols seem to move and it starts to ache inside your head for a moment. And it doesn't make any sense that it's moving. Give me a library use, please. 78, that's just a success. It has the same symbol. And the symbol seems to shiver and twitch as you look at it. It doesn't seem to be able to translate properly in your mind as you look at it. And you can sense that this is what's giving you a piercing, loud whine through your head. But while you're looking through the, the green quartz, you can see that the hieroglyphics change and they actually merge and meld with the ones that you've never seen before, the strange language. And it starts to tell a story. It says, The messenger of the gods, the dark man, brought forth 13 gods unto this world. He enslaved the population and taught them how to build immense shrines. And that's what you can get from this one. And then what I want to do after that is take just a piece of the quartz without the eyeball, looking through the green at the hieroglyphs and see if it does the same thing. Yes, it does. It does, yeah. Anytime that you peer through the green mm-hmm. splotches inside the crystalline quartz, yeah. uh, you can decipher this language. Right. I'm going to need you to roll a power check. This is with two penalty dice. Two penalty dice? Okay. What's your power? 
My power is 65. Oh, that's not good. That will be an 84. So You are unable to look away and you are compelled to look at another piece. Okay. This time I want to pick up one of the ones with a line. I did the dots before, right? Yeah. So this time I want to pick up one of the ones with the line. Okay. Roll a sanity check. All right. Sanity is now down to 52. That is a 96. That, that is, is a critical That failure. is a critical failure. Um, and roll library use, please. 80, and that's a 44. I'm going to dump four points to make it a critical success, or a hard success, rather. You get two pieces of information out of this this piece. You managed to pick up one of the ones that was solid mm -hmm. and still complete. And it says, The black goat of the woods with a thousand young, she of limbs of the deep and mouths of the wretched. And you see that there's a different symbol on this one that shakes and shimmers. I need to roll a power check. Power check, all right. 65 again. Power checks are going to be with uh, double. Double disadvantage? Yeah. Ooh, well, 91. So you are compelled to continue to research. Of course. So here's the mechanic here. Yes. Every time that you are compelled, you must, you must look through. through. Yeah. That requires a sanity check. The sanity check, if you succeed on a sanity check, you will still look through. Mm -hmm. And then you have to roll a library use. Right. If you succeed on the sanity check yeah. and fail on the library use, yeah. then you don't go a little more insane, you don't know what it says, and you don't get these penalty dice. So they're going to give you a better chance to pull away. To pull away. You are being sucked into this green gem, yeah. looking through the world, and as you go, you realize that you're holding it up to your closer eye now to peer through. So this is a sanity check. 52 now. That is a 99. That is a critical failure. Roll 2d6. 2d6. That's five, three and a two. You lose five more sanity. As you are reading these, you hear it in the voice of your six-year-old brother who died in a well when you were 14 years old, as if he is speaking to you from beyond the veil. Roll a library use. 55, that's a success. This one says, she is the lord of the wood. Now you tell me, do you want to read a blank one? A... Uh, yeah, the blank. Now that I've gone through the dot, the line, now I would want to do the blank, yes. So just tell me which one you're going to do. The dot, the line, or the blank each time. Okay. So yeah, so, this so, time it'll be the dot, the blank. But first a power with two penalty dice. Yeah. Uh, that will be an 86. That's definitely a failure. That's a failure. So you are compelled to read another one. Yeah. Sanity check. 58. That is... A failure now. I've got a sanity of 47. There's yep. always a D4. D4? Okay. Unless you critically fail. Okay. That's another two. Uh, so yes, I will now do the library use to read the blank. That's a 100. Nope. Or a oh, one, sorry. The There's a one. That is a critical, critical success. success. Yeah. Which means that you will get three pieces okay. of information. You sit there and hold up a group that looks like it fits together and is fractured, but they obviously don't all meet or match. And these seem to be warnings more than more than anything else. Okay. The first one says, do not touch the iron. The second one says, the Necronomicon can awaken the gods. And the third one says, the order of the 13 eyes protects the ancient spells. They keep the items from the places, from the spells, from the gods. Okay. So now I need to roll... That is power, power. with two yes. penalty dice. 
That is a 41. That's a success. So you are able to pull back from this as you do. You can feel that your mind was slipping and you can hear the echo of your brother mm-hmm. in your mind. Everything that you just read was in his tiny little voice. What would you like to do? I am going to, now that I've finally escaped the grasp of it. You are unaware of the fact that it was pulling you in. Okay. So I got that information. I heard my brother's voice. And it seemed calming and soothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, as I was reading these, either I will... I'm going to be recording them one way or another, either live or probably under the ground. It might be better after the fact. So the things that I've heard now, all of those things that I read, I want to be recording those so I can jot them down. Okay. And I'm going to take a chance. I want to read another one of the clues. Okay. So the blank ones. One of the blank ones? Yeah. I, I want answers at this point, and those seem to be more answers. The other ones were vague. I was having a hard time understanding. So I'm, I'm just going for one more, right? One more taste. Okay, one more taste. <laughs> so that's a sanity first. Ooh, 98. That is two an six. extreme failure. Yeah. So that is 2d6. Eight. So that will bring me down to 37. Sanity. Library use. 13, that will be a success. So that's an extreme success. Extreme success. It says, the gods slumber in places farthest from man. Mm-hmm. And the end of days shall be marked by a great war and a genocide separated by 21 years. Yes. Now to try to pull away again and break the grasp. That's right. All right. So 65 is the power. No, no, that's a 96. That's an extreme failure. Extreme failure. Which means that you are locked in with uh, penalty dice Mm -hmm. on your sanity and a bonus die on your knowledge. Okay. All right. So So penalty die on the sanity. You can hear your brother's voice say, it's okay. It's okay. Keep reading. It's okay. It'll all make sense. So I would have kept the recorder clicked in. Yep. And so anything that I'm reading, I'm reading out loud. And as a matter of fact, the recorder is also picking up your own voice, Mm -hmm. saying all the things you hear from your brother. Okay. Whether or not it's intelligible, I'll leave to you. But yeah. (laughs) All right. So that is an 88 on the sanity. So that is a failure. So that's a D4. That's right. Three. Down to 34. So library usage, again, I'm looking at clues. That's right. And this is a bonus. With a bonus. Yeah. Yep. That's a 13. The next one says, the slumbering gods imbue their surroundings. And now the power. That's two. right. Trying to break away from it. Ah, oh, 87. Thought I had it for a second. So that is a failure. Now so you are drawn, drawn back in. in. So now I do it again. And now it's the Now it's sanity. sanity. 78 is a failure. So that's a D4. And two. And now it is the library usage with the helper. <laughs> that is a uh, eight. So that is a that is an extreme, extreme success. success. Which means you get three. The first one says no man can kill a god. And the second one says salvation lies at the hands of a dark woman, a troubled man, the turned, the wrathful, and those in mourning. And the last one says, an empire will rise to obscure the faithful. So that was the library use, so now it is the power. As you continue to read through these, you're starting to notice that you're getting a lot of the same symbols, a lot of the same messages worded slightly different ways. And now you start to understand that these pieces, as you look at them, 
these pieces that you're reading, these ones that are blank, that don't have any dots or lines, they seem to be able to be put together to make large uh, crescent-shaped tablets. If you weren't looking through this green quartz, if you weren't able to see the way that it all lines up, you would never be able to piece these together. Right. This would take months, but it just makes perfect sense as you're looking at it. And you know that you are almost at the end of this. Right. I would like you to roll another power. Another power. Turn down to 65. 96. That is an extreme failure. That is an extreme failure. So you are locked in to roll with penalty dice now mm -hmm. consistently for uh, library use. You can feel it tugging at your mind and pulling you in. A desperate yearning to know more. As you continue, you can feel your lust for knowledge being satiated. Mm -hmm. And to break away from it would unravel you. Okay. So let's sanity. roll sanity. Uh, that is a six. That is a success. But you still have library use to look through this Correct. with a bonus die. Yes. And both are 98, so both are failures. <laughs> so, uh, extreme failures. Extreme failures, yeah. You read, those who dream above a god can bring manifest to the god's dream. Mm. And then at the very end, there seems to be something that is written in such a way that it makes no sense even through the lens. You peer into it and it looks as if all of these symbols sink deep into the clay. You're able to look through the clay, beyond, deep. It seems to be almost a window through the clay into something deeper, beyond. And you get the sense that there's an entire cosmos hiding behind there. You can see stars blinking on and off. And in them is a truth that if you can just stay with it, if you can just discover what this truth is, it will give you power and knowledge and ecstasy unlike any you've ever felt before. All you need to do is look. All you need to do is dig deeper. I would like a sanity check. Sanity is 32. That is a 10. You are able to determine just on the edge of your own sanity a great truth behind the veil of the world. I would like you to roll a d20, please. Okay. That is a 12. And in that moment, you understand that you can control with your will the ability that others have to remember. You know how to block someone's ability to consciously remember a particular event. You have to be able to see them, and they have to be able to receive your instructions. It takes immediately if you can overwhelm them with your willpower, and it's going to take something deep within you to drain your own sanity and your own sense of self. If you wipe something that terrifies the subject of your will, then that victim may thereafter still have nightmares vaguely relating to it, but it becomes questionable in their mind if you succeed. You have to know of a specific event if you want to block it, and you cannot command something vague like, forget what you did yesterday. Instead, it has to be very specific. You have to cite a certain event. You can't block knowledge of any other deep truth like this or anything of the gods. You cannot control knowledge of the gods, and you cannot restore sanity to a person. What you have just learned is the Cloud Memory spell. Its cost is 1d6 magic points and 1d2 sanity points, and it is instantaneous. What you call this in your mind is the ability to dumbfound. But you are still caught in the throes of this. Yes. You have now 
read everything here and you're yearning for more information. Okay. Where would you like to turn? Uh, so now we're going to go back to, where do we start with? It was the line. You started with the dots. With the dots. So that's where I want to go back to. Power. Right. Okay. Um, and that's with two penalty dice still? Uh, oh, yes. Yeah. Uh, a 50. That is a success. Because the power is 65. So you are able to wrestle oh, your... Oh, no, my apologies. That is a critical failure. I forgot zero, zero, zero is a critical failure. That is a critical failure. You not only fail this one, but you will mm. fail the next one automatically. Mm. So roll sanity. 56 is a failure. Four. I'll lose. Two. And now library use with a bonus die. Mm-hmm. Uh, 20 is a success. A hard success, actually. So you will learn too. He arrived in a house that flies, made of metal full of holes, and a crystal infected with a color from space. In the holes await small black snakes with razor-sharp teeth. Alright, power. You automatically fail this power, so so sanity. sanity. That is a 96. That is a extreme failure. That's an extreme failure, so 2d6, please. Eight. That'll bring me down to 22. This does not look good for it you. It does not look good at all. Uh, library use. Library With use. With bonus die. Uh, that is a five. That is an extreme success. So you learned three. The dark man. The dark man controls these black snakes that burrow into men, changing them to grow larger. These large men are fast and deadly and difficult to kill, and the large men in time will grow immortal. Power. That is a success. 33. 33. You are able to wrestle yourself from this. If you would like, you can pull yourself free from this, knowing that you've worked your way through half of these pieces with dots and through about a quarter of the ones with lines. Almost in a fugue state, you have managed to piece them together to make these small jars and pots that have been smashed. And you realize that each one of these tells a piece of the story. Mm -hmm. And when you put them together and you line them all up, it becomes very clear what they're supposed to say. And they make a lot of sense. But as you put the green quartz down, the knowledge starts to fade from your mind. You know what it said, Mm -hmm. but you don't know how it says it. The translation disappears. Right. There's still the echo of the voice of your... Of my brother. Of your dead brother, who is speaking in a childlike voice to try to to Mm -hmm. pull you back in. There's now a draw from this item itself. You also hear slight whispers in the back of your mind to go and pick up the iron. When you look down at your watch, you realize that you've been here for about six hours. Mm. And no one's coming to check. No one has come in to check. As a matter of fact, it's now past the end of the workday. Mm-hmm. And you were not there to receive Major Linwood's message. Right. Patty wants the answers. He wants to be able... He, he hasn't quite found what he's looking for yet to pull people out or to rescue anybody. So he wants more answers. I think he's going to go back in. Okay. So we'll start with the sanity check first. 40 is a failure now. So D4. 3. Library use. With a bonus die. All right. Uh, That is a 21. That will be a hard success. Let's use some luck and get to an extreme success. Because that's five points to get to an extreme success. The messenger of the gods need 12 of these blasphemous large followers to kickstart the end of days. 
Each follower represents one of the slumbering gods, and the dark man himself reveals the father of all gods. Each one of the gods requires a fervent mass of worshippers to drink from when they wake. I'm going to roll power down with the two extra dice. Ooh, that's a 91. And we'll go to sanity. This is sanity? Yep. And just straight now. 31. Oh, so close. I'm going to jump. Oh, no, I'm down to 19 sanity. I'm still going to dump it. That'll be 12. Mm -hmm. 12 luck. What's your luck at? 12 luck. So that will put me at 29. 29 luck? Luck, yeah. Okay. So you were able to succeed on this so you don't lose any more sanity. That's right. Little library now. That is a 64. That is a success. You've read enough of this now to understand that the dark man's name is Nyarthalotep. As named by the Egyptians, mm -hmm. he is the messenger of the gods, the dark man. He is sent to wake them up. He brought them back to this world. And the reason that it is shaking so violently is it says, and he has awoken. Okay. So power to break free. Power to break free. Power to break free. I rolled a 48, which is enough to break free. You managed to pull out. You now have the name of, of this dark man and you know that he is awakened. This has shocked you now. Mm -hmm. uh, at this point, I think I'm going to pull away from that green eye. And I'm going to quickly try and wrap it up. And as I'm doing that, I'm realizing all of this quartz does the same thing. That's right. And it needs to be separated. As you come to and you you look around the tent, you realize it is dark outside. It's nighttime now. The day has slipped away from you and no one has come to interrupt you for hours. There's a whispering in the back of your head to go pick up those pieces of iron. Um, I remember the warning that said, do not touch the iron. And so I can use that to kind of push that voice in the back of my head out. And I'm going to try and find a lantern. I assume there should be one in there, hopefully with some oil. Yes. And I'm going to head on over to the mess hall and to the bunks to try and find out what's going on with the corporal, the privates, and the two people. You go to open up the door to the mess hall and there's something pushed up against it that you can't open it. It swings in and you can't push it open easily. We pound on the door to see if I can get anybody's attention. Call out any of the names, see if anybody answers. After a few moments, you hear Ohul on the other side say, Who is it? It's me. It's Agent O'Hara. Can you roll a listen, please? Um, my listen is 60. That is a 65. I'm going to put five, the five luck into it to get it to success. And that will move me down to 24 luck. You hear from the other side of the door something shift and move, something heavy. Flop over. And then the door cracks open and Ahul looks at you. Can you give me a spot hidden, please? Uh, spot hidden is 50. That's a 91. That is a definite failure. Okay. Uh, I'll push it, actually. All right. An 87. That's also a failure with a push. As you peer in, he manages to block this as much as possible. Hool stands there, and he, he's a short, chubby man, um, but he seems to be able to block most of your vision as if he's standing up on his tiptoes to keep you from looking at him. And he looks at you and smiles and says, Well, hello. You're awake. How are you feeling? I never slept. I'm feeling fantastic. I'm feeling like I could eat the world. You know. You've seen. I have seen. What did you see? I know the black goat of the woods. She awaits us. She of a thousand young. The lord of the wood. She of limbs of the deep and mouths of the wretched. She hungers. They hunger. We hunger. She slumbers. She hungers. Soon she wakes. And he smiles at you and he says, Amelia. 
So what would you like to do? I just want to try and see what else I can pull out. He, what? he blinks one eye at a time at you. What is her name? Have you learned her name? And he says again, She is the black goat of the woods with a thousand young. She slumbers where life teems. But have you learned her name? Have you learned enough? No. Do you have? Do you have the eye? I do not. Uh, this is a fast talk yeah. check because you are lying now. Mm-hmm. He's going to roll psychology. My fast talk is a five. So, uh, that's a 31. That's a failure. I don't have enough luck. He got a success. So he looks at you and he narrows his eyes and says, give it to me and charges you. What's your dexterity? Dexterity is 80. You're going to go first. He's running at you. Okay. What would you like to do? I would like to step aside and as I do, try and put out a foot to trip him. Okay, so this is just a fighting maneuver, so it's sure. fight brawl versus fight brawl. Fight brawl versus fight brawl. My fight brawl is 25. That is an 8. That is a hard success. He got a success on his, but you had a hard success, so yours wins, and you are able to trip him and knock him down. He is going to fall for one point of damage, and he falls and snarls. What would you like to do? I would like to uh, pull out my service revolver and point it at him if he move, and command him to hold still. Uh, it's his turn to get up mm-hmm. and to fight at you, but he used his fight brawl against you, so his turn's done. So you pull out your revolver and tell him don't move. Give me a charm. A charm? Uh, charm is 40. That is a 100. That is a critical failure. He does not even hear you, and he looks like he's going to come at you. Is there anything else you'd like to do in your At that point, I want to fire my pistol, service pistol at him. Okay. Uh, He is going to try to fight Brawl to get you to to stop because he's within range. He's going to reach for your hand. Okay. All right. 50 is my fight Brawl. That is a 91. No, not fight Brawl. This is your hand. uh, Sorry, 50 is my firearm, so I meant to say, but that's a 91. That's a hard fail. Or just a failure. He got a failure for the fight Brawl as well. No damage is dealt. So he's able to shove your arm up, your gun goes off, and the two of you are wrestling. That is his turn to fight back, though. So what would you like to do? Try to fire again. Okay, go ahead. He's going to try to knock it away again. So I got a 46. That's success. He got a 47, which is a failure for him. Mm -hmm. So you're able to shoot. Okay, so I do 1d10 plus 2. With my Colt 1911. Yep, you shoot him. Let's find out where. That is a 10. (laughs) You shoot him directly in the neck, and his head flies back. Blood splatters. Sanity check. Sanity check. This is the first time that you fired your Mm -hmm. gun at a person, and it happens to be after the war. 14. That is actually a success. You're able to barely hold it together, thinking that there's something really wrong with him. His head snaps back, opening up, and you can see this fountain of blood come out. And there, in the middle of his throat, beside his windpipe, is the head of a small black snake that hisses at you. Another sanity check. Uh, 63, that is a failure. Uh, This is a D8. A 3. And it hisses at you as he falls down dead and the snake starts to writhe and, and wiggle its way out. What would you like to do? Book it. Just running. Just running. Where are you running? Um, into my office. I'm going to try and lock myself into my office. Are you going through the mess hall or are you going around outside? Uh, whichever is fastest. I should probably outside because I'm still outside. So around and in. 
you get around and into the main front area, the foyer area, mm-hmm. and then into this area, into the back hallway where your office is. It takes you a second to unlock it, and you hear someone yell, "Was that gunfire?" And I'm ju- I'm not even answering. I'm ducking into my office. You close the door behind you. What would you like to do? Lock it. First, I would want to put the uh, eye into my safe. Okay. So I would open the safe, throw that in, sit at the desk, and train my pistol on the door. How long do you sit like that? Uh, at least five minutes. Nothing happens. Nothing happens. You hear a door open and close somewhere deeper in the building. I will holster my pistol, unlock the door, and peek out if all is clear. It all seems to be shadows. It's nighttime here. Mm-hmm. Um, I imagine I'll have a lantern in my office. Yep. So I'll grab that with me, shine it out, check the hall. There's nothing. And then I'm going to walk out into the open, eyes trained, looking for any sort of movement. Give me a spot hidden. That is a nine, which is a... You know what? I'm going to dump one point of luck into that to make an extreme success. How much luck do you have left? 23. You catch out of the corner of your eye something moving on the ground, and it seems to be a black snake with large teeth. It's about 15 feet away from you and is slithering towards a chair. Towards a chair? Um, I'm going to freak out and run. Uh, no, I'm going to pull the pistol and try and shoot it. Okay. At this point, I've just started to just once. This is a small moving target, so this is going to require a hard success. Okay. So it'll be a 25 or less. That is a 33. I can push that with 8 luck. I will do that. Okay. Get a hard success. Uh, and that will put me down. Let's roll damage. 15. 4 plus 2 for 6 damage. You see that it just explodes. You shoot it and catch it right in the head. Uh, right in the front where the teeth are and it just splatters and when it splatters you hear inside your head your brother's voice scream no can you please roll sanity 83 that is a failure that is a d6 six Six. i am down to insane and you see him out of the corner of your eye your brother there and he looks at you and Even though you're looking into the corner of the room, it feels like you're looking down a well and he's standing at the bottom, looking up at you with a broken neck, crying. And you suddenly understand why you are afraid of enclosed spaces. You remember looking down that well and knowing that he died down in the dark in a tight space all alone. And he looks at you and he says, no, no. Uh, Can I get you to roll in a D10 table? D10 table, you got it. A nine. You get a new phobia. Roll a percentile dice. Percentile. 87. At which point you shudder and you see that he blinks at you and suddenly 11 other eyes open up on his forehead. And you peer into them, seeing the cosmos behind them and gain a phobia called Triskaidekaphobia. Triskaidekaphobia. The fear of the number 13. Every time you run into the number 13, you have to roll a sanity check. When you are able to finally pull your gaze from this, you look down and see that this worm is starting to melt down into the ground, slowly becoming what looks like a pale green fungus on the ground. Uh, And it starts to slowly spread tendrils out as you watch it. The fungus starts to creep across the false linoleum floor that's here and wrap itself up around the chair. And after a little while, it stops spreading. And now there's a patch of about a foot in diameter where the snake was. I'm going to call out, is anybody there? What's going on? And a door opens from behind you. And you hear a voice that says, O'Hara, is that you? I turn around to see who it is. And it's the private that had been 
uh, in a catatonic state before. Private, are you okay? What's happening? I'm okay now. I, I, I don't, I don't know what's happening. I just, I woke up and there was no one else around except, except the doc. And and now I, I don't know where he went. And I heard some gunshots. And what, what's happening? Where have you seen? You haven't seen Anders? No. Or the corporal? No, the corporal just, just. No, I, I heard his voice say that he needs to find you. He needs to get the eye. Do you have it? How do you know about the eye? I don't even know what that is. I just I just heard him asking. You have a psychology check if I you would like to use it. I would like to use it. Uh, that's a five. That's extreme success. Uh, let me just double check. That should be extreme success. Yes. With your psychology check being a an extreme success, you're able to tell that he is lying. You can hear in his voice that he is trying to find out where the eye is. The eye was mailed off. It was, it's been sent in the mail. One of the other privates took it in the jeep. And he steps out where you can see him in the light and you can see that this boy that you had put in that bed before is now about six inches taller than he was. And he steps forward and cracks his neck loudly and says, where's the other eye? Who all took it? Roll fast talk. That's unfortunate. Uh, 76, that is definitely a failure because that's five to succeed on fast talk. I got, I got a roll for his psychology to see. Uh, no, he also fails. So you, you both fail. And he narrows his eyes, unsure if you're telling the truth. And he says, give me the eye. I do not have it. And he turns enraged and slams his fist into the wall. And you see that he just decimates this thin sheet of wood that just splinters open. And he turns to you and growls. And you can see that his hand has started to, his fingers have elongated. And they've started to grow sharp claws at the end of them. And he growls loudly and says, Where is it? It's in my office. And he turns and just starts lurching towards your office. And he hits your door and puts his shoulder into it, knocking it right out of its frame. What would you like to do? I'm making my way towards the Jeep to make an escape. You turn to run towards the Jeep and uh, you get outside. You can see the Jeep beyond Cool's body. Mm -hmm. I'm making a beeline for the Jeep. I'm I'm just going to get out of Dodge. When you get to it, you see that Anders is dead in the driver's seat, the keys in his hand. I'm just going to shove his body out of the way, grab the keys, turn the ignition. As you go to shove him, his arm falls right off, and then he drops to the ground. I don't have time. All right, give me a drive auto as you go to speed away. All right. Uh, Drive auto is a 40. That is a 77. You manage to back up directly into the lab, and something calls to you. I would like you to roll a power check. 65 is the power. That is a 17. That will be a hard success. You hear that urge at the back of your mind saying, over here, over here, Patty, over here. And it's your brother. And he's calling, but you're able to shake it off. And I'm just going to gun it out that front gate and walk back. The front gate is locked. It's closed and locked. Uh, Jeep can probably push through. Like, are we talking yep, chain gonna, link gate? Yep, you're just going to yeah, crash, right crash right through it. just going to crash right through it. Okay, uh, give me another drive auto then. Sounds good. 95. That is just shy of extreme failure. I'm going to push it. Okay. Let's try and get another 20. That is a 7. That is a, that's a success. You are able to crash through the gate and it gets kind of cut up for half a second, but you pull through. One of the tires is starting to slowly deflate as you drive. Where are you going? I am going in the direction of uh, Giza. You're going to get about halfway there before the tire runs flat and the Jeep becomes nearly undrivable. Uh, you're going to have to roll now drive auto with uh, penalty die. Uh, 67, that's a failure. 
You'll have to leave the jeep here. You know that you can't maneuver this through the sands that have covered part of the road here. There's about 20 miles between you and Giza. You can see the pyramid getting a little closer. I'm just going to walk, hoping that there's enough distance. About three miles further down the road, you can see that there are a number of people that are also on the road walking as well. Uh, do I recognize them? Give me a spot hidden. 38. That'll be a success. Most of them are wearing military garb. And you do see one man in a worker's tunic and one man in a lab coat. And they all seem to be walking away from you towards Giza. Um, I am going to stop and let some distance go between us. And when I feel that it's safe, I'm going to continue. Still in the direction of Giza, but watching for them. What is your plan from here? My plan from here is to find Miss Daisy Bentz in her office and try to get help. Okay. Keeping a far enough distance from the rest of them, you do manage to get into Giza and beeline directly to where she is. Beeline into the offices. It is before dawn. What would you like to do? Her offices are obviously closed. I'm just going to pound on the door to see if anybody will answer. No one. No one answers. I'm going to sit down in front of the door and and probably have a good cry, but at the same time try to keep my eyes open to see if if I see the soldiers, I'm going to try and hide somewhere. I'll have a good cry for a few minutes. If they show up, then I'm toast. But if not, then I'll uh, be keeping my eyes and just waiting for the office to open. After a short period of time, right at about 7 a.m., after the sun has been up for a little while and people are starting to move around, there are a couple of people that show up to unlock the door. Employees here, that they look at you a little confused. They've never seen you before. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, what, what, what are you doing here? I'm Agent O'Hara. I work with Daisy, and I need to speak with her right away. It is an absolutely, uh, absolute emergency. Uh, Miss Bentz will be in about 7.30, so if you want to wait here in the waiting room, would you like a cup of coffee, sir? I would, uh, would be a lifesaver. You would be an absolute saint. And the man walks into the back, and he comes back with a cup of coffee for you. It's the worst tasting coffee you've ever had in your life. Eventually, Daisy walks in, and she's surprised to see you. And she looks at you, and she says, everything okay? No, no, it's not. We've lost everything and everyone. It is a story that's going to take a long time to tell. Do you have an office we can go to? Yes, come with me. And she she waves you over. And she sits down and listens to your story. You're telling her everything, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. The whole truth, truth, nothing but the truth. Well, minus whatever I saw, right? All that sort of thing that was seen through the eye. All of that I'm keeping secret at this point. She's going to listen to it all and say... Okay, I'm going to need to sit down and talk to some others. Uh, I've got to make a couple of phone calls. We're not going to leave you high and dry. Does Major Linwood know? I wasn't able to reach him. We reached his secretary, but I have not heard since. Well, let's just keep this between you and I for now. Because I'm sure that he's going to rain hellfire and brimstone down upon you and anyone that's left. And you said you don't have that, that green quartz anymore? locked it in my office. Do you have anything? I have my service pistol and the clothes I'm wearing. That is it. We're going to send a few agents to Colorado to get that box back by any means necessary. We're going to try to clean this mess up and I have authorization to spend the money to fix this as best as possible. You say that you saw the others walking in towards Giza. Yes. Based on what I saw, I don't know if it's safe. I don't know what they're capable of. I don't know what they are. She nods and says, Don't worry, I have you covered on this. Let me make some phone calls. Why don't you go wait in the next room over? All right. And she escorts you over to a a small meeting room, and she offers you some coffee. Mm -hmm. I 
gladly have another cup. I haven't slept. And she leaves, and an assistant comes in and brings you coffee, closing the door behind her. And she asks if you need anything else. Food would be lovely. I'm starving. I haven't eaten. I'll I'll see a cracker. Anything. I'll see what I can do. The breakfast markets are open. We'll send someone. And as she opens the door to leave, you can see Miss Daisy Bentz on the other side talking with Dr. Michaels. Dr. Michaels. Okay. And Dr. Michaels looks at you and smiles. And you see that thousand yard stare from him as he smiles and opens his mouth and inside his mouth you can see a black worm with razor sharp teeth looking at you and it's clear that miss benz can see it as well and she looks at you and the door closes and then you hear it lock this episode starred brad as special agent patrick o'hara most of the music was provided by Tyler at Melodica's Music. The plot and story have been designed by Dan and Adam of the It's a Mimic podcast. Thank you to everyone who has been involved in this massive undertaking, and a special thank you to you, our listeners, and of course to those of you who have donated at www.itsamimic.com. Future episodes will be released when you least expect it. Elsewhere in the world, as Radiance Valley swells with darkness and rot, a lonely man sits in a jail cell in Denison, Texas, and spends his days praying for the safety of his young daughters. But he is not the only one who is praying. In a distant part of the country, a priest finishes his prayers before strapping on his prosthetic leg and heading to a meeting about a troubled congregation in Louisiana. In Wallachine, British Columbia, the population dwindles to 146, and an old heiress is forced to relocate. She sells most of her belongings, but an odd man named Reuben appears with wild eyes and chapped lips, offering an exorbitant amount of American cash for both her phonographs. One will be shipped to an illegal speakeasy in the basement of a library in the opposite corner of the continent. The other is destined for an asylum in the Canadian prairies. Meanwhile, two owners of a fishing and hunting shop enjoy a holiday increase of sales, which keeps them afloat for one more month, and two states to the south, an overstressed undertaker accepts the unidentified remains of a butchered woman that was found in the wilderness nearby. Strangely, he's received word that she's to be cremated by Christmas, even though the police investigation is still open. But back in Giza, Special Agent Patrick O'Hara is escorted to a small, windowless room in a basement below the offices of the McGregor Institute. There, he is left for six and a half days with no food and little water to stew inside his own claustrophobia. On day two, the single light bulb burns out. By day four, he begins to have trouble determining if he is awake or asleep. The gnawing hunger begins to invade his dreams, and the wet sounds of slithering worms seem to haunt him at all hours of the day. He pretends to write down everything he learned from the hieroglyphics, and the fear feels a little muted somehow. When Daisy Bentz finally comes to visit him, she is escorted by two men who are over seven feet tall. 
She places the chair on the wooden floor, sits down, and waits while one of the men replaces the light bulb. As the new bulb flickers to life, she smooths out her skirt and watches the broken man shake in the corner. Agent O'Hara blinks rapidly as his eyes adjust to the light, and Ms. Bentz swallows hard as her nose adjusts to the stench of the room. And as he cowers in the corner, she looks around the small room and raises an eyebrow at all the hieroglyphics that Special Agent Patrick O'Hara has smeared on the walls with his own filth. Patrick, she says, it's time for you and I to have a little conversation. You weren't supposed to open the monolith. Now you've given them a taste for humanity and set us all down a very, very dangerous road. The question is, a road to where?